Coming up on episode 33 of Across the Park podcast in affiliation with Liverpool Live Radio. I want to apologize to all the fan supporters of Liverpool Football Club for the disruption I caused over the past 48 hours. Over these 48 hours, you were very clear that it would not stand. We heard you. I heard you. Protests and anger caused an apology from Liverpool owner John W. Henry and a U-turn on joining the European Super League. Phil and Terry give us their thoughts on a crazy week looking back for the Reds, including a disappointing result at Anfield against Newcastle United. Here's the chance though to go, they've done it! Oh my well, Steve Bruce can celebrate again because it's another substitute, Joe Willock, who's come off the bench and Newcastle will get a point against Liverpool. If you deserve it, you deserve it. I didn't see us that we deserve today um, playing Champions League next year. They say it's the hope that kills you and myself, Ian Mills, will be joined by Andrew Price to look back at the 1-0 win for the Blues at the Emirates against Arsenal which puts the Blues right back in the hunt for European football next season. Richarlison, it's in! A mistake by Leno! We don't care! Everton lead! Richarlison at the Emirates! Good result, important result because we are still attached to the top of the table and it is what we needed. I said before this game, we have to keep fighting. And of course, we have two big games to preview this weekend as Everton host Aston Villa on Saturday evening and Liverpool travel to Manchester United on Sunday afternoon. Two huge games to preview. We, as always, play higher or lower. We have this week in history in one which doesn't make the Reds feel any better as they look back to 2014 in a big game against Chelsea at Anfield. Whereas myself and Pricey look back to 2003 where it looked like Wayne Rooney had shot Everton into the Champions League. All that and much more to come, including the return of a friend of the show, Paddy the Baddy Pimlet. Paddy talking all things Liverpool Football Club and his big signing with the UFC. The only place you can hear banter and debates from both sides of Stanley Park, episode 33. But first, a quick word from one of our great sponsors. Today's podcast is brought to you by Camper Kings. When you have the freedom to choose, where will you go? Hiring a camper van from Camper Kings means you've just bought a ticket to adventure. Camper Kings offer a stunning range of quirky camper vans and luxury motorhomes with modern and stylish features, providing you with a safe staycation escape. Adventure awaits at camperkings.co.uk and you can follow them on Instagram at camperkings underscore UK. For Across the Park listeners only, there's a free bottle of champagne and free insurance when you quote Across the Park. Welcome to Across the Park podcast, a football podcast on both Everton and Liverpool Football Club, hosted and produced by a group of friends from both sides of the park. We pride ourselves in bringing you the very best conversation from the ongoing matters at both clubs, providing banter and debate. We also release regular specials with guests connected to both clubs providing insight and interviews never heard before. The back catalogue of these shows is available on our website, acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk. Don't forget to hit subscribe to Across the Park Podcast on your favourite listening app and please give us a follow on our social media. Head over to Instagram or Twitter and search at Across the Park PC or Facebook, search Across the Park. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. 
Hello, welcome to episode 33 of season 2021 of Across the Park Podcast, like you heard on the intro, myself, Ian Mills and Andrew Price of the Blues, Phil Roberts and Terry McGiven of the Reds. We left last week's show. Terry, you were here, it was falling apart, the Super League. Chelsea were protesting, Peter Cech had fans in headlocks at Stamford Bridge, City dropped out, Liverpool dropped out, it all went to pot. Yep. Didn't quite cover it last week, it was happening live, we got your live reaction of what might have happened if Liverpool pulled the U-turn, they have. What's your reaction to it? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I think everyone on the fan side of things, and even the players by the side of things associated with Liverpool Football Club are, are, are pleased you know, that we pulled back from it. Um, what we're not so pleased about is, obviously, you know, and I think we said it on the podcast at the time, you don't want to be the last one out, and you know it, it felt like a bit of a token effort. The statement that got released on the on the website by the club was was pretty miserable, to be honest. It was like one sentence, you know, just saying that we've we decided to pull back. So the first reaction to that to that news for me as a Liverpool fan was, you know, happy that it sort of fell apart and and we weren't going in it, but you know, then tinged with a little bit of, you know, the way the club basically said, oh, we've engaged with external stakeholders and and basically you know we've made the decision that we're not going to go in. Just stop it with all that corporate jargon you know like engage with co- with external stakeholders well you should have done that before you went in in the first place you know what i mean and you're having engaged with the, with external stakeholders you've been bullied into pulling back by you know the strength of opposition from the fans and the media response and stuff so it just it stunk again of of you know the owners not really showing any contrition for the decision they've made it, it's been more of a case of you know we're going to have to dress this up in some sort of corporate speak to make it sound a bit more professional, but just hold your hands up and say you got it wrong. What was then, a, you know, I suppose maybe they've thought that themselves afterwards because then obviously we got John Henry coming out and putting his boat on, on, on an interview, which, you know, we haven't heard him speak about Liverpool a lot. And, you know, judging by the way that he came across on the interview, I can understand why, because it was a very sort of cold, you know, I didn't think it was really that sort of, um, what's the word like sort of genuine in, in, in what he's saying and it, you know it, it, me I'm made up we're not going in it and I'm made up it's fell apart you know it, it, and if there's any sort of rev- reviving of it it has to be a lot more thought through um, and a lot more you know consultation has to happen as we said on the podcast last week but I am still disappointed in the way that the club have gone about you know releasing the statements pulling out and, and even you know that sort of a little bit of a you know a, what I didn't think was a very sort of you know good apology from from Henry really and you know I'd, I'd wanted a little bit more from from the, the board in general you know so Henry Werner you know all of them basically you know my, my um not Michael Edwards who's the other one um Mike Gordon um basically with the, with the board united in that decision or was it a split board I think they should be a lot more open you know in terms of who was the who was the driver and what was going on and and for me, it, was st- it still leaves a little bit of a you know a bad taste in the mouth. Um, but you know I'm pleased that that we we we've got there in the end and, and pulled back. And I think, you know, I think I said it on the podcast. An important thing now is that you know the momentum is maintained from the fans and stuff. You know, in in terms of basically you know we're not letting these these sort of foreign owners basically ro- ride roughshod over our traditions. What do you think, Phil? So? I think well, I've written a few things down here from like so they're going to release a statement. What you want from the statement? And I've put. One, an explanation. That was one thing that was missing. Yeah, there was no explanation. But then I was thinking, they've probably consulted the PR. And the truth is, if they give the true explanation, probably wouldn't have been happy with it. Yeah. So maybe the best thing is to say nothing on that one. A sincere apology. I mean, 
I think he tries his best to give one. I mean, you're saying you don't believe it, but I think he tries his best to give one. He did say sorry, didn't he? So I, you might argue that we did get the reassurance that it won't happen again is another thing. Well, he said, you know, we we you were heard, didn't he? In that apology, you were heard. Um, so, uh, but reassurance it won't happen again. He didn't specifically come out and say that, so I don't think we got that really. Well, no, when he said in it, didn't he? You know, we they genuinely believed that it was the right thing for Liverpool Football Club. And well, it's almost like well, well, on that, what he's saying there is there's a conversation being had here that you don't know about, and it's about the top table of football and. You just want us to be at that conversation, don't you? I think that's what he meant by that. Well, why just negligent not to be in some respect? Well, no, well, that, and that's it. You just want us there, don't you? Well, ask the question. Well, why have you got why have you got a fans rep in Tony Barry on you know that basically is, is employed by Liverpool Football Club to be a fans rep between all of the supporter groups and stuff like that? Tony Barry's a diehard red. You know, he's a local lad. He understands probably way more about the club than than anyone in that ownership structure. Why is he there? Well, Price he's not said being this. Price said the re- the reason why fans weren't con- uh, you know consulted was because he already knew what the what was going to well, well the exactly ba- that the backlash was going to be there. And, but that's where it's saying you were heard. That's well, it's like we're worthy because you didn't care about our opinion. Yeah, and when you pull out last, I mean, they probably all pulled out for the same reason. But when you pull out last, there is no ESL. Once the other five clubs have pulled out, there is no ESL. So. Pulling out of it at that point, you're not pulling out of anything. It, no, just, exactly. it just fell it apart. fell apart around you. And that's what I said on the podcast, wasn't it, last week? You know, I said, like, I don't want us to be the last one out the door turning the lights off. We were the diehards of the ESL, like, you know, the architects. And Everyone it. come out within the two-hour period, though, so it was just someone had to be first and someone had to be last. Oh. We had some nice messages on last week's show. Phil, you weren't here. Um, Pisces, you weren't here. Gary was absolutely gutted. You could tell Terry was more animated, more angry. We got some... Some great feedback from Reds who completely agreed with Gary and Terry. A Red who was who's a friend of the show, Peter Hooten, he's tweeted out that Perez said he wanted to save football. Well, by uniting nearly every fan in Europe, he's done just that. <laughs> yeah, you know it's one way to look at it. But yeah, and then another another friend of the show, Alan Myers, now this brings in. We've had more more messages on this than we have on, on most topics. Alan Myers kicks it off by saying, "Where was this? You can't punish players and fans' view when Bolton, Berry, Wigan." Macclesfield and many more were punished by owners' decisions. The least we should expect is consistency. I could ask you, Pricey, I know what you're going to say, probably similar to me. There could possibly be some sort of punishment here. A, a rule's been broken. Just before we get to Phil and Terry, we can look at it from the outside a little bit. Do you feel there's been enough of a rule breaking to warrant any sort of punishment? Honestly, have they broke a rule? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think it does. And I'm an Evertonian. I don't think it warrants punishment. Honestly, don't. They haven't broke any rules because they've okay. they've well, signed the contract. A rule was broken at that point. No. So I don't think they have. No. After when you look into, it, I don't think they've actually broken any rules. I think if they yeah. hadn't, it'd be out there now. It'd no. be very clear that the Premier League have not came out since. I think if they hadn't, there'd have to be clarity. I think it's a grey area, and I think you uh, well, could be right. It, but it is a grey area, and I think I said that. And, and you know, in, in, when we were chatting about it, I don't know whether I sent it in the group or whether I sent it just to, to, to the Reds. But basically, if you look at that rule that everyone was quoting, is it rule L9 or something like that? And it's basically, you can't um, compete or join another competition in the season, except for this list of ones that have been approved by the Premier League. 
which no. we did. No, we didn't. No, we signed a letter of intent. Intention, it was. It was. They were intending to join. And, the, it, and, and the competition was going to be after the end of the Premier League yeah. season and stuff. So it's a grey area, and I think it's one that lawyers would have a field day with. You know, if you leave it loose like that, like the language, then it's very hard to 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 sort of enforce it legally. Very different, you know. And, and I think this is you know, it's a it's a key point that we need to talk about. Really, is like and. and you know, we have had a lot of messages from Blues, basically, you know, angling for, you know, we want to see punishments and point deductions of fines. And all right, that's fair cop, you know what I mean? I think, you know, everyone is saying that about rival clubs and stuff. I'm not saying that, you know, that there necessarily shouldn't be anything, you know, but I think it's hard to enforce it given the rules that the Premier League have got and how they're written. I think that they're, they're very vague. And, and, and as Pricey saying, I think, the spirit of the law was probably broken. The letter of the law probably wasn't, and that and that's a very difficult thing. You start. The, the Premier League and UEFA they were clear, weren't they? That if if this carries on or if they go ahead with it, there will be sanctions, and they made that clear. These are the punishments that's going to happen if they go ahead with it, and that's because nothing really happened. If something did happen, then that was what was good. You know, so players can't play in Europe. You know, internationals, all this type of thing that they said. But because nothing has actually happened to break the rules, that's why that's why you've heard nothing about punishment. I think they were scaremongering. Players can't play for the World Cup. The team. But yeah, but they were coming out. That was that was the punishment to it, wasn't they? They were coming out with definite punishments if it carries on. But and because it hasn't carried on, nothing's happened. That's why they're not coming out with yeah, the punishment. I, I don't think the punishment should, should be that severe. I think there should be something to stop this happening again. If everyone just says now, fine, welcome back. Super Sunday's going to be Liverpool the Arsenal again next Sunday. Everyone's happy to share the spoils. Next April, this can happen again, and then if what? It, it, we just say, well, we should have punished them last well, time. Well, if anyone thinks this is going away, they're mad. This isn't going away. Something's going to happen. Something's coming from this. But no if one you, wants it to happen, so something should be done. So you can't now, punish someone just in case something happens. But if they signed a letter the, of intent, the there's got to be a deterrent. Yeah, I mean, there's it. three things here for me. What do you think the six teams deserve? What do you think you can practically enforce? And what do you think will actually happen? Okay, now, as, as an outsider, I don't... I, it's stupid to think you'll relegate them because the Premier League don't want these teams to leave the league. That's apparent. To say they you've can't play no, in Europe. You've got no basis to relegate them. No, but people are shouting this on. I'm saying as a, people might think an Evertonian, I want these things. Well, just on that the one. The Champions League won't, won't use in. I yeah, think ju- that's ju- a certain punishment. I, I don't think it would be wrong for next season the six teams to start on some sort of deduction. Maybe a six points in the Prem goal. Look, there's a slap on the hands. One of six will still win it. The other 14 are going to be happy now with some sort of competitive nature where in February two of these teams might still be in it. Yeah. Don't do it again. If you I do al- it again, it's going to be worse. I also think that's fair, to be honest. I don't. I do, I'll just say why. I think if you talk about a relegation type thing, then if you think about it, the whole worst thing that can happen from the ESL is that you weaken the Premier League. So to then say, well, in punishment, what we're going to do is completely weaken the Premier League. Do you get where that's yeah, a nonsense? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't make, make sense. sense but... There has to be a deterrent from it happening again. Or it happens every season. Well, I think it'd have to be financial, wouldn't it? Well, fina- I, I think so. Financial, though, you could, you know, the whole point where the, why the, why they're going to break into the SL is because teams are saying we're struggling financially. Yeah, but the, wor- the worrying precedent that you're setting here is, is that, and you're basically saying that, listen, these six clubs, yes, they, what they've done was wrong, and they've signed that letter of intent, and they were thinking about, you know, this, this sort of move and stuff. You're then pitching it the other way and saying. We're gonna we're gonna form a carbal of fourteen clubs, and we're gonna enforce a rule that doesn't exist or, or a punishment that didn't exist as, as a punitive measure. We're almost gonna sort of like put something in place. What's to stop then? Almost the Premier League becoming a two tier six versus fourteen, and then it's constantly all the time. You know, f- f- for even other stuff. You know, if Man City decide that they're gonna spend a load of money, could fourteen clubs theoretically but turn Terry, around you and go, that's outraged. unfair? You were outraged. That's unfair. No, I am. Why outraged. were you outraged if you think it doesn't deserve punishment? Because I'm outraged as a fan. 
for for Liverpool Football Club and the direction that football might go in. But at the same time, I don't agree that you can then sort of enforce or or, or basically the other group basically gang up and basically say, well, we're going to form our own little collective for 14. It becomes a spiteful sort of thing. And you and regardless of what anyone says, them clubs will vote in their own self-interest as well. Of course. And basically say, well, you know, this is a chance for us to get all of these six who we compete with a point deduction and we can vote through a 10-point deduction or something. It's, like, it's ludicrous, you know. that You end up in this situation where it becomes a very dangerous game of basically, you know, we looked at last season where teams who were in the relegation battle wanted null and void a season to, to, to stop themselves from getting relegated. Yeah, West Ham and stuff. Make, is what, just let me finish. make no mistake that all of these clubs are thinking about their own self-interest. Yeah, and course. whilst I agree that something needs to happen as a maybe, you know, rewrite the rules or put something in place that stops this ever happening again, whether that's a club's charter, whether that's something that's legislated by the government, whether that's something that the Premier League rewrites its own rules and they all agree I don't think it's right that 14 clubs can basically turn around and go, well, we've decided, you know, it's not in the rule book. It wasn't an agreed rule, you know, but we're just going to decide you're getting a 10-point deduction. It sets a dangerous precedent to, to, to punish someone when you haven't broke a rule. No matter, no matter what you say, well, they haven't, have they actually, they actually haven't broke a rule. Whether it, whether it, no one liked it and no one did like, it, and I'm an Evertonian, I'm disgusted in it myself. Well, but it's disgusted if they haven't done nothing wrong. It's one or it's the other, set, isn't it? Well, yeah, because the intent, the intention of what they wanted to do, they haven't done nothing wrong in doing it, have they? I'd be disgusted in you if you said you were going to do something and you hadn't done it, wouldn't I? Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you've done it. And you need punishing. You need to go to jail for I'll it. Does stop it? this happening again. So what what Terry's just said exactly, legislate, legislate it, whether it's the government or the Premier League come in and set rules. We know it can happen, so now you need to set rules and go, right, next time, or this is what's going to happen. If you, if you sign a letter of intent, you will be deducted six, deducted six points, or but you will get a £5 million. Yeah, the, 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 the loose the, language the needs prob- removing. Yeah. yeah, but the problem you just highlighted, it was one of my problems with the SL, is the ownership of the competition is owned by the clubs. So you're voting in your own best interest. It, now, I think a six-point deduction would be fine if there was a neutral governing body of the Premier League, but yeah. it can't be enforced by the other 14 Well, teams. exactly, and that's what I'm saying, but that's, that's unfortunately, the voting system that's in place now. What I think the, the main thing that I hope comes from all of this is that there's reforms of how the game governs itself, whether that's an independent regulator or something like mm. that, because they've shown, and, you know, the six of the baddies in all of this, but at the same time, as I said last season... There's clubs there who are willing to literally turn around to championship teams and say, you aren't coming up because we don't want to go down. And they were voting for their own self-interest. You know, and I'm, what, that's what I was saying on the podcast last week. Make no mistake that there's selfish interest around every aspect of this table. We're the most egregious of it, this, these six clubs, in terms of you know looking to protect their own little worlds and their own little fortunes and stuff. But at the same time, given, given the rest almost... A, an, an un- unchecked power to say, well, we can gang up on these six now and uh, um, abuse our power. Yeah. You, you, you don't write it wrong with a, with another no. wrong. And for it's me. not go- it's not going away. So that you do need to think about what you're going to do when it happens again mm. and how far you're going to go when it happens again because it is not. And it's a bit for me the six clubs, you know, a disgraceful club, bad, you know, bad behaviour, gutter with them and all that. But this is a massive issue. This isn't just about the six clubs. This is about no. Premier League. This is about ownership of clubs. Who the Premier League allow to own clubs? Premier. If you think that Premier League are letting you know American owners. Uh, Side the owners, wherever, wherever it is, the from who are coming in with billions are not going to want more eventually. Why are they putting all this, all this money in? Yeah, this is the br- capitalism in sport. You see, um, let's let's have it right. Everyone around this table wants a billionaire owner in charge of the club 
who believes it has capitalist values because you're not going to be really a socialist billionaire, are you? So but then you want them to change everything they believe in, everything that's took them to the pinnacle of their career and say, now we want you to apply social socialist values to our club. It's not going to happen. And that's, no. what I, that's what I said on last week's pod. You know, as fans, we, sus- we live in this make-believe that we think we're going to, we want all the money in the world to come and own our club, but we want it to be like benevolent and like nice, you know, and get us. They don't. It doesn't, doesn't work. work. Like that. It doesn't work. It doesn't like work. That. And we've we, we've made a pact with the devil because you know clubs like fans want that money and they fans want the transfer spent. It is, yeah. and, and you can't yeah. put and it back. Created, and the Premier League or whoever it is, they've created it themselves. So to now to now cry when someone wants to make even more money, well, because they're not involved in it, and then it's not their their you know their ship that they're going on. It's ridiculous. I've got a different angle just that I want to touch on. Like the financials, we're all aware of of like Barcelona and Real Madrid. Now. Perez, he hasn't got the best wording, but what I think he's trying to say is, we're, we're not going to survive. Yeah. You could say, I'm going to we'll spend less money on players, then you can't win everything by spending a fortune on wages and then say we've got no money. But if they are to not survive and they try to desperately do something, everyone just said, what are you applying at? No. And then they go under. Has football suffered? And will the whole pyramids of football so far well, if they disappear yeah but I'm not, I'm not having that I'm not having that's the reason why though I know Real Madrid are a bit skint it's just mismanagement of a club isn't it but you can't you can't say that that's the reason they, into they, a mess yeah but complete what I'm self-interest is, it wasn't about it wasn't about we've got it because he come out and said we need to save to football no I, I know I, I, th- I think the problem so, is so, it's an it's been almost an act of God with the Covid thing that no one would have expected yeah. so it's it, it, it it's hard isn't it because yes they've got themselves in trouble they got out over the skis financially but they got out over the skis financially because something's happened that's unprecedented in the history of football except World War 2 when, when the leagues all got stopped so you know for for but almost lockdown and leagues to get suspended and fans to not be able to go to games. I, I don't think anyone would have planned for that in any business plan because it no. just you know. So they've ended up finding themselves in a sticky spot now. And I, and I said that last we said that last week on the podcast, didn't we? That I, I think that's why it's got so rushed because it's almost like this is a chance to bounce clubs that otherwise wouldn't have signed up to it into it. And I think that was led by the English clubs who were a bit more comfortable financially than. Yeah, the continental but, counterparts. But, in, but in, instead of scaling back on what they're doing, instead of scaling back on contracts they're offering signing players, they, they won't scale back on themselves because no. they want they want to stay at the position that they're at. Yeah. So in other words, so in, yeah, yeah. In, instead of scaling back on their own their own spending, they just want to earn more money, and this is the way that they're trying to do it. So yeah. I've got no sympathy for them at all. No, no. But, and but just just the final point I wanted to make because obviously you referenced Alan Myers's point there, and, that, and we did get a couple of listeners who said the same, like you know. Was it Berry fans' fault, you know, that that they've gone under, and, and all these other clubs who basically ended up going into administration, and then they ended up with point deductions? No, it wasn't. But I guess the difference there is that them rules are already hard coded into the structure, aren't they? If you if you if your club goes into administration, you know before it happens that that is an immediate automatic point deduction, and that you know it wasn't their fans' fault, but it's like that was known at outset. And I guess the difference is is that whilst these six clubs were trying to sort of almost create a platform that gives them an unfair advantage, they haven't been able to follow that through. I guess the difference with running your club in a financial capacity where you end up going bust is because you've made a conscious decision to like almost overspend for success, which is unfair on your rivals, isn't it, in the league? You know, it's almost like you've made the decision that we're going to live beyond our means because if, if we... If we get where we need to get, we'll be fine. If we don't, you can't you can't have no consequence for that sort of action. You know, it's almost because that goes against the fairness of the league structure. And I think 
the breakaway would have been unfair, you know. But they have, as Price said before, they haven't been able to to actually, you know, breakaway to do it. Yeah. So so at at this point right now, Liverpool have got no more advantage over at any other club in the Premier League than they had three weeks ago. Because you know we haven't had any. In fact, we're probably worse off because the club, you know, sort of is in disarray a little bit. But do you know what I mean? It's. I think that's different than basically saying an owner basically coming in and going, "I'm going to hose money at this because I know if I get us up into the prem, we're in the promised land. If we don't get up in the prem, we'll go bust. We go into administration and protect it from the debts." Yeah, it's still slow on the fans, the Berry fans in particular, because they're oh, absolutely, only just yeah. stripped and basically didn't yeah, put yeah. no money into it himself. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I'm saying, though. It's like all punishments are sly on fans. Exactly. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm trying to say. It's sly on the fans, but they're the rules, aren't they? The worst thing mm. was for for Liverpool fans was Sooness was immediately on Tuesday night saying you can't punish them, and he had no reason behind it. He was just saying it. So every football fan who doesn't like Liverpool doesn't like top yeah, six. Yeah, I oh, get look that. At these high and mighty, it's all I forgiven. get that. Yeah, I get that. You know, absolutely. You know, I I get it. But the difference is, is that nothing has actually concrete happened that changes the fairness of the Premier League or, you know, as we sit today compared to where it was two weeks ago. I don't think we've answered the question that exists there. What is the deterrent then? There's got, do you believe there's got to be a deterrent? And what is it? Because I don't think we've answered it. No, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, we said we're, we're split, aren't we? A, a deterrent. A deter, does there have to be a deterrent? Or does there have to be a framework that means it can't possibly happen again? I think there has to be a deterrent, Either personally, because I don't think, I think it'd be easier to put a deterrent in place, wouldn't it, than a framework? That's like a total restructure of whatever, isn't it? But a deterrent, like you said before, it's just rules of, like the administration rule, is it? It's a set rule, everyone knows it. Yeah, I guess. So, okay, so, but it's a combination of both, really, isn't it? It's rewriting the rules so that the cast iron and basically saying you can't even, like, discuss breaking away compet- competitions or any of that sort of stuff. That can't... If you break away, we won't let you back in. That basically means, so that's not really a deterrent, is it? Sam, we're leaving you anyway. Yeah, it's well, like a bird saying if you leave me for another girl, but you can't come back. Yeah, but it's yeah, basically. They'll want to be in the Premier League, still won't they, as well? And that's what, and they did. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's, a, it? it's almost putting in place so that it says, right, next time you discuss this, you're gone. You're done. And you, there's no way back. And so you better make sure if you're going through with it next time, that, you know, you, you're going all the way. Because, I, I, I don't know, I, I personally think that it, maybe you need some legislation. And I think football needs an independent regulator now. You know, the, the, the fit and proper owners test isn't worth a carrot. You know, the way that clubs have run financially isn't worth a carrot. And the whole pyramid structure is 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 it's a wins it's a fly looking for a windscreen you know in terms of the number of clubs you're going to go under especially after the back of the back of this coronavirus impact you know a lot of clubs are going to go to the wall or struggle or really struggling financially and you know when the big six are struggling then everyone's struggling unless you've got you know a, a billionaire benefactor who, who can basically throw money at the, the problem how tottenham and arsenal even in that conversation because they're, they're london clubs that's the only reason isn't it it's money and money in the city and that's it yeah they've got you no know, big big new stadiums in london which is a cosmopolitan capital and that's the only reason why they were invited they to the party for me oh, but their stadiums garbage. you know what i mean no that can't make you qualify they haven't got the money that, they haven't got the money that arsenal thing. and uh, Tottenham's owners have got the have Okay, we'll, we'll move on to the football games. Before we do, the last point, we've got to address it. And Terry reference blues a messaging in, and I think it's maybe a bit, bit of tongue in cheek, which we're all about. But I've picked one out here from Chris Fisher on the website. He says, "Look, I'm a blue, but I want to know why both sets of what sorry what both sets of supporters on the podcast think why Liverpool fans have quickly forgiven last week's antics. They should have been looking at the weekend at Chelsea, Arsenal, and United supporters and how they are reacting and ask themselves." If Jürgen Klopp asking for calm and them giving him it is bigger than their morals, obviously referencing protests at certain grounds, none at Anfield, or if there was, 
didn't mm-hmm. make the major, not enough to make major headlines. What what are they protesting for at Chelsea? Well, Chelsea will protest on Tuesday against the ASL. Don't think there's been any since. They don't want Abramovich used, No, United have used this again to get the glazers out. Use have referenced very... Sometimes in the WhatsApp group and stuff, and other reds have said, they want FSG out. This might have been a perfect time for you to get down to Anfield and maybe... Even if, it's, even if it's not to ask for FSG to be out, though, it's just making yourselves heard and being outside the stadium and saying, we're not well, going to accept this. Yeah. I t- I, 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 do you mind? Can I, on, so, on. for me, right, as Phil just said... Chelsea was the protest before their game. I'm not sure, you know what I mean. But you said there was on Tuesday, which there was. We've done the podcast. We've seen all them protests. So, you know, I'm not sure that you can really say Chelsea's the same thing because theirs was as it was happening live, and, and we we didn't know what was going on. They don't want Abramovich out. So what are they going to be protesting at? You know, immediately, as Phil said, with a protest, there has to be an end, a, a, a means, like what you're looking for. United's a different boat because they're shambles anyway, their ownership. You know, like they've been getting raped by the Glaziers for years. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a, a breakaway team and all kinds that got set up and, you know, when they still wear the yellow and green scarves on the terraces. So they've had problems with their ownership for a long, long time in terms of they don't like the Glaziers. You know, they, they're not in a successful period, man, you. You know, I know they won a few trophies under Mourinho, but compared to their previous success, they're, you know, they're not in a good moment. So... I think you know it's easy for them to sort of use this as a as a as a cattle product lightning, you know, to sort of like get get them going again and get them fired up. I think the difference for 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 us as well, you know, compared to Arsenal and United, United are firmly ensconced in the top four. They're getting Champions League football no matter what happens next season. You know, they're in there, they're getting it. Arsenal, they're not on. They're getting not on, and they know they're getting not on because they basically they've got nothing to play for. We went to Leeds there in the immediate aftermath of this and seeing Klopp looking just distraught. He's, he's been thrown in front of the Lions, you know, without even knowing what was going on. The T-shirts got put in the dressing room, which got the you know the players sort of upset and Klopp upset. We seen the the players as they arrived on the bus get booed and get called like scum and all that. You know, they didn't know anything about what was going on. So Klopp's obviously looked at that. You know, we we dropped points there against Leeds and then we go into this another big game where we're desperate for the points. And now that we are still in the Prem and we are we we need that Champions League football. Do you put yourself in a situation where the players can misconstrue a demonstration outside the ground for the owners as being against them? You know, where. Uh, that's you know, what Cop was saying, man. Yeah, he was exactly. insulating his players from. from yeah. Players aren't daft, you know, it's not about yeah, them. Maybe. You've got to get down the ground and, and protest maybe, in that situation. But you've got to. I think, I think Liverpool fans, I think, you know, Liverpool fans looking at it are probably thinking, you know, we need to win this game. And it's almost like, for now, I think it's being put on ice. But I think FSG. You know they'll feel the backlash either once we know we're not getting top four, or once this season's finished. You know, uh, uh, do you think it'll still come? Those yeah, I do. Yeah, come I do. Yeah. To be honest, do, though, yeah. like as if they don't already know. What? So what's the protest? All to tell them not to do this again? It was all plastered all over it's social media. The protest will be all over the papers, won't it? And it's, it's it's a statement. It is the Arsenal one was the same. It is we've a statement. A, I think we've made the statement. I don't think there's any confusion. That's why they pulled out. So what is that was, it then done? If it, or is all I, don't want it, I don't want FSG out to be honest because only for the simple reason who are you going to get well, that, yeah, we said that. yeah, and that's they the do run our business well uh, they have made some mistakes and they've done quick U-turns on all of them so they're not perfect I don't think any billionaire sort of whether it's a, a country consortium or you know country backed sort of thing or whatever <laughs> it, it, the worry is who, who, who will come in yeah. if they come out. You know, we've pounds. we've had Hicks and Gillette. We've we've been close to going to the wall at administration, and you know if they they're putting an ownership. There's rumours there at the weekend that someone you know a, a Middle Eastern group have offered three billion to, to FSG. Anyone who's got three billion to throw around, you, 
you know, and, what are their values? Well, exactly. You know, and I know City. Everyone thinks so. You know, City are these like sort of. Um, I use the word again, like benevolent sort of. You know, real angels and 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 do everything. You know, make no mistake, they've breached financial fair play twice under UEFA's rules and got away with it because the, the you know the the statute of limitations lapsed. They've done they, loads from Manchester though. They have, I'm not saying that they're, they have, they're angels or not, but they have done loads. Well, they have, yeah. But the, at the same time, you know, is it fair in the way that they run their club relative because of the wealth? I this is what this is the whole thing. Like what I'm saying is that football needs reforming to make it fairer into into almost. You know, level the playing field because Hard to do though. Yeah, it is, but you know, it that is the that's what I hope happens. Do I want FSG out? Listen, I I think they've the cards well and truly marked now, and we know yeah. what they're about. I, I'd be. It's is it a case of better the devil? You know, it may well be. I don't know. Are, are they ever going to be loved by Liverpool fans again? No, I don't think so. Yeah. But for me, this isn't about like Liverpool fans sort of pr- protesting against FSG. This is about should be about football fans now basically saying enough's enough. You know, and this is it. Like, we're sick of the greed. We're sick of getting abused. We're sick of, you know, the stupid kickoff times that you that you, you do, the, the stupid away prices that you charge away fans. The the entire way that the game is run is 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 is, is on greed and, and a model of greed and, and just money-orientated. And I think I want fans to sort of, you know, to sort of act and, and be together. And, you know, you, who was it you said before? Um, oh, Peter Hooten, wasn't it? Who basically said, you know, he wants to save football and he might have done that because he's united fans against them. Mm. Right, that, that's the, that's what's got to come out of this. It, it isn't about Everton fans saying to Liverpool, where were you? Why aren't you protesting against FSG? Because as Phil's just said, and, and you know, when I back him up, you don't know what you'll get next. We've been bitten bad by X and Gillette yeah. and we know what that feels like. So I know we're going to get messages because I just said, I don't want FSG out. I suppose I need to sort of reframe that with... I don't believe that if there's anyone out there who'd be a better owner who can afford us. Well, there may be. There may on, be. On the fair play if there is, be. but... They might get token gestures and they might tell us that they're better, yeah, but so does I mean. FSG. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, as I say, we've we've seen both sides of the coin. We've seen terrible owners who were completely terrible and you knew it. You know, literally, they didn't even wear a mask to try and hide it. They were a joke. And now we've seen owners that came with smiling faces, but then, you know, obviously behind behind the mask, there's there's a ruthless money machine there and or a money hunger. It's who, just who was the, uh, the, the? I think he was a builder or something. Wanted to buy a Liverpool, and he was Steve a he was Morgan a fan. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Well, that type of a person like has got always going to have the club's best interest, but he can't afford it, can he? No, he was worth about three hundred million or something. I just, I just think going back to it, the way fans are heard is 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 protesting in it. Whether it's season ticket well, and walk out of the season we? ticket, but that that that's our aid. That, that's how fans are heard on social media these days. But it's not all over the papers, is it? Arsenal, everyone knows what it's. What, what was, more, what was more on the paper, an angry Liverpool fan or the scenes at the Emirates on I think United. I think you are playing United in a couple of weeks. I think if both fans of fans get but together again, and do a protest, yeah, that'll be massive. But, but that's the that's other thing again. Arsenal, you know, they've they've been at odds with with, with Kroenke for so long. He doesn't ever, you know, they, he's so distant. He's never he's never there in the front. They've spent all this money on a stadium and, and under Wenger, they've absolutely collapsed and they've never got back onto that pitch. So. You know, you're looking at a fan base there. That's that's it's a tinderbox. It's ready for a spark. So you're gonna get more emotive thing. The same as like I said with Man U before. We're coming off the back of right. We're having a crap season. The second half of the season, but we're coming off the back of winning the Premier League, winning the Champions League. You know, being in the Champions League final multiple times. It's not the same situation for Liverpool fans. It's more how dare you tarnish our name and reputation and tradition as opposed to we absolutely despise you as an ownership because we haven't won anything for so long. So it's not only that we've had 10 years of not winning a carrot and we're absolutely hating you as an owner and now you've done this. 
Are, we're in a different situation than that. You know, are you though, really? Because I, I heard last week, or oh, you tried to trademark the live bear, you tried to trademark Liverpool, the 77 quid ticket, and people, Liverpool fans yeah, there's very a list publicly of things, were reeling there's a things, list of things that and have, going, this is the last yeah, door now. Yeah, there's a list of things that you can you can point to and say, you know, you've got this wrong, you've got this wrong, you've got this wrong, but at the same time, there's still success on the pitch, isn't there? So, you know, at the same time, you still watch some of the best football we've ever seen in, 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 in our, ta- our lifetime at Liverpool. In, in Jürgen Klopp, we've got a manager who feels like, you know, a superb hire and fit. Everything up until January felt like it was going good. So, it's another mistake. And as I said, FSG's cards marked. They'll never be loved. But at the same time, we're in a different place than Arsenal fans who are literally watching their club. have watched their club go from, you know, basically top of the pile in England every single year, fighting out for honours, doubles, unvinci- invincible seasons, to now being a joke of a side compared to us, you know, like who, who basically have, have, have witnessed success in the recent times under FSG's watch. Terry, would you go to a protest? Um, yeah, as long as it's the right reason. <laughs> <laughs> for the right reason. For the right, if it was a football, like, you know, fans uniting and sort of protesting against the general way that football's going, yeah. But not an FSG Am I going to go and own a, a banner, hold a banner up saying FSG out and John Maybe Henry, I hate you It doesn't have to now. be out, does it? It doesn't have to be FSG out by protesting, does it? It doesn't have to be that, does it? It can just be protest against the fact that the 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 ones that are joining the Super League and run away from the Premier League or whatever they were trying to do. Well, that's that's what said. the protest is, is it? Just because just because you don't want different owners or you think they've done all right so far, doesn't mean you can't have a go with them and stand united with your other fans outside the ground and tell them that you're not happy. Yeah, but but as Phil said, they know we're not happy. No, do they? Because how it looks in black and white, and you'll you'll argue this and all you will, but how it looks in black and white is he said sorry, there was no protest. They don't know you're unhappy anymore because there was no protest. They don't read Twitter. They don't know what Phil's tweeting on a Wednesday night. They they watch the game on a Saturday and the being sports or the Dazoon aren't showing and feel being irate. So they might think now that, that sorry was sound now. The board. I, I know fair than mm-hmm. that to me is is, is is you got Chelsea protesting Arsenal. And Liverpool should just because they have, and, and it, just to show that you you're you're just you're just as annoyed as they are, and, and I do think that I think Liverpool, but for no for no other reason, just get out there and just just let them know. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. It, I, I guess you know, I, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I necessarily agree. I mean, if it, if the protest was organised and you know for the right reasons, then yeah, I, I, I probably would go. But I'm I'm not gonna hold a banner up and and as Phil said, I qualify it and you know. As I say, FSG for me, like we know what they're about now, you know, and and mm. sort of we we're not going to forget that, but at the same time, the, I'd be wary about next what it, comes yeah. next. If 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 but then people will say, well, why you already had your warning? Why didn't you do something about it then? You well, know, it'd be hard for us to complain next time. Mm. The blues will just go. You said you didn't want to protest last time. Well, <laughs> so, we'll see. I don't know. I don't think it's about blues and reds either. Joe. I'm like I was backing you up before about about point deductions and stuff. It's not. I'm not. It's not because no, you're reds and we're blue. I just think as footy fans, that's just yeah, my I, view. I, we were all appalled, weren't we? So yeah, it's one. Uh, and now it's all good. No, it isn't. It's but, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, if I the SL was going, I'd be there. I'd be freaking tearing Anfield down or whatever. If the SL was going ahead, well, there we go. Where's the Hulk here? <laughs> we can go around the circles. Eh? We've yeah. probably done a long time, and it will no doubt touch upon it again. Because as Pricey said, this is not over. There's more to come. Pricey, let's move on to the football. Mm-hmm. The most exciting game a Sky Sports have showed in years. Arsenal on the 11 and 1 Friday night. <laughs> our WhatsApp group was on fire, edge of the seats. In all honesty, it was a terrible game of football. I've said yeah. on this podcast a few times if you don't support Everton, you won't watch them. But 
who seem to be at certain points getting results, big results. Friday no difference. The hope that kills you. Definitely the hope that kills you. Definitely it was a it was a it was a it was a bad game. It was yeah. a poor game. Both sides as well. Uh, weren't just you know Everton weren't bad and they were good. Both sides didn't play very well. Hardly any hardly any clear cut chances. But look, we got a one 0 win. Mm. We got away with three points. That that is a massive three points as well. Because mm. um, Arsenal could have gone above us, couldn't they? Yeah, so that, that they distance. could have gone above us. But we've we've got a little cushion there, yeah. haven't we? And and. You know, you go back again to to the last few games. For me, I was looking at, it, I was thinking we we had we had Brighton, we had Palace, and we had Tottenham and Arsenal. So then four games. I would you? I just took seven points out of them four games yeah. before they started. We yeah. got six, so not 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 what I wanted, but six points is in the end of the world. And you think about it that way. Yeah. And for me, it was going to Arsenal, and it was it was the same sort of the fact that we can beat beat Arsenal. The fact that we can go to Arsenal and beat them is 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 a big thing men- mentally, mentality-wise. The same as the Anfield situation. Yeah. Um, so the fact that we can go there and not play well, they didn't play particularly well. But you know what? We got a win, and then we kept it tight. We didn't concede. I, I was buzzing at the end. I'll be honest. Well, Europa League is in our hands now. Maybe not so much Champions League because the Chelsea results at West Ham. Other results went our way. Um, Liverpool obviously drew. We are three points off fifth with the game in hand. So that's how you, you referenced there how big that result was and that, that run of results has put us straight back in because I was saying on this podcast a couple of weeks back the season's over get, get to May and now I'm thinking who have we got next? Yeah. I, I think you said something similar. Yeah. The game itself I mean got to talk about the VAR decisions I've got to say like it wasn't it, was, it shouldn't have been a penalty anyway because Holgate's touch was minimal but these offside decisions like and we've got a couple this season I know Phil's dying to say the, the <laughs> we, we've, we've got, more we've got than a couple we, yeah, but yeah. I've got to say, as a blue, it's a bit of a farce now, this VAR, isn't it? It's a, it's an, it's a joke. The, VAR, the whole weekend for VAR, you had the Evan game on a Friday. Yeah. I said, again, I, I don't think it was a pen. I don't think I don't think it was a, a foul at all. Then to bring it back, say it was offside when he wasn't even offside, and Arteta was fuming at the end, and I had, <laughs> I had every you know sympathy for him because I'd been fuming as well. And they were even looking at when we scored, they were trying to catch us offside. Like they were trying their best to catch us offside, weren't they? Have you noticed now, fans, even when it goes for them, they're still saying, I'm not happy with it. Like we've got that that's how far gone we are with it. Like it's going it's going for you and you still don't want to see it. Rich Allison was dancing and I was thinking like is there any point me even like getting getting emotionally (laughs) because like it's gonna be called out and Price is right. It looks like they're moving the lines Mm. and they're trying to rule goals out now. That and, and Sometimes they are, and it, it went for us on Friday. It's probably not going to go for us another time, but no. it's just a mess now. Would they're it, trying they, to stop goals. Would anyone have moaned if they didn't draw the lines and just on that picture, the ref just went, look, he looks onside, he's onside. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Up, yeah. who, who, was, who was thinking that he was offside when he first oh. seen that picture before the lines got through? I yeah. thought, oh, he's on. Did they, you? They've gone looking, haven't they? Yeah, like, how yeah. can we rule this goal yeah. out? Let's go back three moves. He's but, offside yeah. there. And not just the Evan game. You know, you look at the done it with the West Ham sending off. Obviously, they'll probably speak about the Liverpool game in a minute. But there was a few of them over the weekend. That's just like they're ruining it. The proper mm-hmm. ruining it. It's, it's killer. But you know, went for us on Friday and happy days and all that. But Any yeah. standouts for you, performance-wise on Friday. Me personally, um, Godfrey solid as always. Like, but that's comes to be expected. I thought Alan again comes to be expected was good. I thought Richarlison was really good. I thought he was always a constant threat, even when we didn't look like we were going to do much. He was always on the line and the shoulders and looking for it and trying to press. Any, any Luca Dean first half for me, I thought he got up better than he has done in the last few weeks. A couple of good crosses in there. He, he started well, petered off in the second half. But Alan was the one I thought played well. Mm. And it was interesting that he played on the right of the three. Gomez mm. sat deep and, and Alan played on the right. I thought he played well there as well because he... Mm. 
you know, we've used him as a holding midfielder, and he can play that really well. But he likes to get about a bit more than a holding midfielder, I think. Mm-hmm. And it made me think if you get him into core, and we can bring in a holding midfielder in the summer, yeah. them two, you know, in front of a holding midfielder would be would be a, a really boss midfield. But uh, yeah, Alan was the standout for me. Alan and Dinya in the first half, I'd say. But no one else, yeah, no one else really. We've praised on this podcast a number of times James Rodriguez on Friday. We didn't see much, did we? I mean, did Arsenal do a job on him? Was it an off night? Because nothing seemed to go for him. He looked he looked tired. He, he wasn't keeping the ball. He was losing it, then not tracking back, and it just didn't seem his night. No, but I think Arsenal did do it. Did did do a uh, play against them well. Yeah. They, there was always someone close to him. Or usually that part is it? Thomas Partey. Partey. Yeah. Usually him was closest to him, yeah. but there was always someone in his face whenever he got the ball. And I think that was, Arsenal had purposely purposely done that. But he didn't play well. We expect him to come off and come off after about 80 minutes. I was expecting him to come yeah. off after like an hour or something because <laughs> it just wasn't his day. You could yeah. tell early on it wasn't going to be his day. Um, but it's one of them, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we'll move on. Phil's got social media questions for later on the game, so I don't want to get too much into it. But Jordan Pickford, save at the end from Martinelli. And I think me and you both on this podcast have said Pickford will probably cost us points. But I think it's right to say when he saves us points, I thought he had a really good game. Yeah, he did a couple of good saves, actually. There was yeah. that one, there was, I can't remember the other one, but there was another one in the second half as well where he made a save. Uh, but he looks, he just looked calmer. Than, than he than he has done in ages, like on on the ball, uh, ball at his feet, even like you know screaming at his defenders, and and he just looks more composed than he has for ages for me. Yeah. He doesn't look like that. And maybe that's because there's no crowd there. But then again, you can't say that because at the start of the season he still looked a bit ropey. But I think I think he's coming on. I think Judgey said before, and I agree with him. Goalkeeper is not our worry. We've got far mm. other things to worry about than than goalkeeper. Mm. Pickford can can stay in goal and he'll do us a job for the time being. And mm. you know. That save at the end was, was a match-winning save, weren't it? Mm. Reds might laugh, but I think the, um, there's a lot to be said for the Van Dyke incident, which would have affected Pickford, because there was a backlash, and it lasted. Mm. We were playing bingo with Sky Sports games. When are you going to mention Pickford during the Liverpool game? And, like, you forget he's not an old head. No. He's not an experienced goalkeeper. He's a young lad, and you know, <clears throat> he's getting attacked on social media by idi- idiots and his girlfriend's shutting air things yeah. down. And it might be a bit of that where he's, where he's come through it and got a strong mentality, I think. Yeah, I think so, it. yeah. And... Ancelotti's management off him as well, bringing, leaving him out a couple of times, just yeah. taking the heat off him yeah, and stuff. Yeah, but right. you could see the relief in him, couldn't you? Yeah. At the end of the game, he was proper relieved that he'd uh, he'd made that save and we've got a win. But I think that's what it is. I think Ancelotti's managing management of him, sorry, has been a has been the reason for his yeah. for his obtaining form. Great at the end with his guy to apologise for Seamus Coleman at full time where he screamed effing get in. And his well, guy, didn't his guy see to that. apologise for making him hear that he bad language. It's emotional. <laughs> he, just, he just seemed like yeah. he's another one. He's had, he's had a bit of a hard time. Coleman up and down. He, he was good. He's 33. We'll link with Max Evans now, aren't we? So he's probably seeing the end. It's nice to see that he's still got that. You know, yeah, that's that what I do. Design, I was playing yeah. right back for yeah. There was a few of them at the end. It was the similar reaction once we won to the Anfield reaction where we were all screaming yeah. and made up yeah. that we'd done it. And I think that goes back to what I said before about how long it's been since we won there. But um, Max Adams, are we, is that is that a goer, is it? It's a few, few respectful gen- journalists yeah. who were saying that they... Um, they want big money for them. Um, I think their chairman or their sort of chief exec has referenced in the past that they are a selling club and yeah. named him as the next one to go. I was like, him and Cantwell will go eventually and make us yeah. 15 million, so they're expecting a bid. Especially now they've come up, they'll sell him and use that money to buy a couple, won't they? Yeah. If, if, if they are selling them. But yeah, Coleman needs to not play every game, doesn't he? You know, yeah. He's good when he plays, but he's at that age now where he needs someone to, to come in and sort of, like Baines did with Dinier a little bit, yeah, we need, right, we need yeah. the next one coming through now. It's all right having Holgate and Godfrey sharing the duties of going right back and whatever, but we, we definitely need a right back to come in and, and a quality one who can get a game and play. 
home games left. Aston Villa, yeah. Sheffield United, Wolves, got Villa away. Oh, f- oh, I, hate, I hate the hope that ki- it is the hope that kills you because we've been uh, here before. We've watched the Seven team let us down so I'm many times. But I, come on, come on the records of me on the podcast. Are you, are you confident now that we can at least get Europa League football? That was result- confident. No, I'm not, I'm not no, confident. Okay. I'm not confident. I'm hope. I'm more hopeful. Like you said before, I said it was the first time in weeks when I've been looking at our future fixtures and going, who've we got? Who've West Ham got? Who've Liverpool got? It's the first time I've done it in ages. So it is a bit more exciting and, you know, because even more good to own it in May. But, you, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm more hopeful than expecting. What about you? I think there's a number of other teams who are dropping points and it'll just, it'll be into the last game of the season where there's three or four positions that are like two yeah. teams may finish fourth, four teams can finish sixth. This UEFA UEFA Conference League, no one wants it. People are trying to finish eighth to get out of it. Yeah, I mean that name by itself, the Conference League. I, I don't that. even I want to know. I don't want to play in the conference. It's laughing stock in a little bit of Europe, like. But. I think we're a good chance, honestly. I think it's in our hands, and I just think we're at a point of the season where you can probably play the same team now. Where you just say, you know, we're sati 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 for the next five weeks, and you can maybe get some sort of plan. We're yeah. not in Europe. We haven't got that distraction. Some of the teams, but then team, have. them teams you mentioned there. They're the teams you've struggled against, aren't they? Enough. Not not them particularly, but them type of teams yeah. you've struggled Sheffield against. So, <laughs> yeah, Villa and yeah. you know Wolves and that. I know we beat Wolves, but so I I can't say I'm confident. That we need to be in there and thereabouts last couple of games of the season. And you want Man City, don't you, to win the league yeah. and have the European Cup to to be yeah. to be have an eye playing on the third that. string. Yeah. yeah, playing the third string sort of not really bothered about what's happening and try and nick something there. But I'll be if we're if we're still in with the shout of the Europa in the last game of the season, I'll be I'll be made up. Wolves at home, second to last game of the season. Hopeful to get 10,000 fans in there. Me and you, nice, my friends, with a pint going into Europe. <laughs> Imagine that, be boss, wouldn't it? We'll get them done 1 0, more for them, I know. Be a boss end of the season, that though. But didn't you go? Do you went? Didn't you go one of them around Christmas time? So oh, you... That's a sort of subject that lad judge did, not me. Oh, did he? Yeah. yeah. So he'll be back at the queue anyway, won't he, judge? You could just go like that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's about time. I got <laughs> I was going the West Ham game on New Year's Day, and then the Boris oh, shut us down. Didn't he? Yeah. to give me a ticket back. Love to go that Wolves game. Love it. I know. Just the world's opening up. Let's just hope next season, me and you, are going to see some European nights at Goodison. I'm confident putting it out there. I think there's, there's plenty to play for for Everton this season. Oh yeah, massively. Yeah, there's loads to play for. As I say, just hopeful, just because of what's happened this season, up and down, up and down. But like you said, I agree with you. Our main. The main reason we might do it is because other clubs will drop points yeah. and, and, and that will happen. So we just want to drop less points than the other teams. I think it's going to be the thing, in there. Yeah, happy days. Blues, if you agree with me or Pricey, let us know on the Twitter, at Across the Park PC, the Instagram, at Across the Park PC, the Facebook, just say it, Across the Park Podcast. If you're old school, get on the internet, acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk. Teddy, you've touched upon a little bit the scenes before the game or the, the you know welcome of the coach and things, but the game itself... Newcastle at home, one-one, more points dropped. I I didn't watch it. I couldn't believe some of the messages I seen at the end, the, the way the game went with VAR and then the equaliser. But from what I understand, listening to Phil as well on Liverpool Live Radio on Saturday, he's he's played quite well. Yeah, I mean, it was almost a, a bit of a carbon copy of the Leeds game. To be honest, that we spent the first half absolutely annihilating the sides and creating chances galore. You know, Salah scores after three minutes, an absolute rasper of a goal, and then we just can't get the breakthrough. We can't, you know, for whatever reason, you know, the, the forwards are just misfiring big time, and we just can't sort of get the, 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 you know, the cushion that we need in terms of a couple of goals to put these sides to, to the swords, and then 
you know, the second half, we get to, what was it, 50, 60, well, about 60 minutes, and we look, we literally look like a horse that's got nothing left in the tank and it's coming up the street, and then you're seeing, you know, another one that's, that's bowing up behind it with under the whip, and we, we, we just start to regress at the moment to this sort of, almost trying to play our own sort of, like, low block, like, and, and ends up conceding, you know, goals, and... It, it's a it's a it's a terrible terrible sort of trait that we've developed since January and it, it and even more so it's it's it, it's starting to happen more you know the last two games we've dropped two points from leading positions when when you know results have gone our way you know for in, in other fixtures and we'd be sitting you know basically I think level on points behind the goal difference with Chelsea in, in joint joint fourth or whatever right we'd be fifth but they'd be fourth and only a point behind Leicester and third if we'd, if we'd you know, picked up them two points that we dropped against Newcastle and Leeds. So I I can't put my finger on it. Um, I, I, it it's just, you know, the forwards haven't fired all, all season, except Salah, you know, and the way he's carrying, you know, the, the, the forward line at the moment, uh, it, it, without his goals, I'd dread to think where we'd be because um, it's just been mm. diabolical, hasn't yeah. it? I mean, trying to find a reason for why we're not putting easy chances away is not, no one in the world can give you the answer. I mean, on another day, Jota could have had a hat-trick, Mane could have had a hat-trick, Salah could have had a hat-trick. Yeah. And on the same day, Firmino would have been responsible for some absolutely beautiful assists, nutmegs and things like that that set some of them chances up. But we actually had more chances in that game than we did against, in, against Palace when we thumped them. What was that, 7-8? Yeah, we had seven. nine on target, I think, against Newcastle. Um, and we only had eight on target against, I think it was it was eight, um, against Palace. You know, and we put seven past them. Um, mm. And then, obviously, against Newcastle. <laughs> we well, only got the one. I, I I know why we're not scoring the confidence. That yeah. is why I know from myself, from being a goal scorer in my youth to having dry spells, it's confidence. That's what that's what happens to, to strikers when they don't score. And you know, that's why these sayings exist. Like all he needs is one to go in off his backside. Oh, the floodgates will open now. We've all heard them sayings in football, and that's because confidence is a thing in goal scoring. And you know, Cop's probably thinking, well, well, I've heard Cop talk about what can he do about that? And he said, the only thing I can do about that, he said, when I hear like uh, we had this many shots or chances missed, he said, to me, that's just a piece of information to say, we did something where we created an opportunity to hit the team. That's the right thing to do, yeah. do it again. And all we can do is keep doing this until it works. And, and, it's, and because it's a confidence thing, Terry, I've got faith that, it will come back. These players are in the prime of their lives where physicality meets experience. It's not down to anything to do with, the, you know, they've become bad players. It's in the head. Yeah, well, I, I I agree to an extent. You know, I think it is a confidence thing. I think I think there's some players there now that you can say it's, it's gone beyond confidence. You know, I th- I, something's amiss with Firmino for me. You know, his position is what he does on the side or the way, the impact that he's had on games previously with, you know, we talked about it at length on this podcast over the last few seasons in terms of, you know, he draws defenders out and stuff like that. That doesn't happen anymore. So his, his impact on games is just neg- negligible now. Yeah, well, you that's know, been a steady decline. And, and he's got four goals in 40-something games. Yeah. You know, his last 40-something games, that's, that's a pathetic return. You know, like, and... Mane, you know, I think I agree with you. I think it is a confident thing. You, you, you know, that that one, that chance he had where it fell to him in the box there, and then he sort of wants to come back inside mm-hmm. on his other foot, and you know, ordinary, ordinarily, it just bang that in, it's done. Yeah. You know, you can he's see about it he's overthinking because he wants that extra touch, that extra second of time to sort of make sure. Yeah. So that's a confident thing. But sorry, just I do think with Mane as well, he's probably. 
you know, and I know what you're saying, Just physical. Yeah, he plays a lot of football. You know, for Liverpool and for you know his international team, and you know that's a lot of travelling. It's a lot of football and. Domestic football only next season could be exactly what this. Well, is. you say that, but you know, I, I, you know, we've talked about the worry about what what it could mean for transfer windows and stuff without Champions League football and that. You know, what it could mean for the financial situation at the club without Champions League football. So I don't think it's as easy as that. You know, as a, you know, we've got no no Europe to worry about, so we can focus on the league. I think that's a bit of a that could be a bit of a poison chalice. That you know, in terms of yes, it, it could mean that you, some league or domestic success, but at the same time, it could mean. Well, no, but what I'm saying is, it's not looking likely. And if, if that is the case that we don't qualify, then at least players like Mane and all that will get the rest that they need. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I I hope you're right and I, and I'm wrong, but for me, I, I just think I, I don't know. It feels. There's systematic. There's just things that I'm looking at, thinking, oh. I, I, you know, I still, I don't we think brilliant. the goal scoring problems were well, we brilliant till sixty minutes. But then, you know, the way that we start to revert into ourselves and and that fear that we have then of basically we're going to lose this, you know, when and we start to. Do you have that fear with Henson and Van Dijk on the pitch? Oh, no, but they're not on the pitch, and we've got you know we've got games to to see this season out, and you know we were still in with a live chance at top four, mm. and technically we we are still in with it. It's an outside chance, but but it's a chance and. What I don't like is, you know, I'm still looking at it thinking we've gone back to playing Fabinho in, in, in the back line. I, I don't understand that, you know, uh, to be honest, especially, I know Davis wasn't on the bench, I don't know whether that's because he's injured, but again, you know, Nat Phillips is, is injured and he, he and Davis still can't get in the team. It's like... It's not for, up to it, is he? Well, I, I don't get how someone who's got 200 games under him in the Championship is the most experienced defender at the club currently in terms of, you know, fit and available experienced defender more so than that Phillips who's only got about 20-13 games under his belt I don't get how someone who's got 200 games in the championship can't be more capable than playing you know uh, uh, even like sort of like the likes of like Reese Williams and stuff it, the thing is in this game no we and it could be the attitude like to take risk in order to try and get in the fourth place we went 4-2-4 so I mean Thiago and Wijnaldum are very capable of doing that job. They are, but Wijnaldum, to be fair, has been absolutely garbage for weeks now. If I'm being honest, I think he's been he was brilliant until probably about the end of Jan in the turn into Feb, and I think his 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 form has dropped off dramatically for me. Now, uh, you know, I, I felt like he was the one holding it together, but he's playing now for me like a player who knows he's leaving and and is almost you know sort of. Almost, it looks like he's playing like, well, I can't really do anything to solve this problem and, I'm, and it's not really going to be my problem anymore. I feel like that's, the, I'm watching his game and thinking you're not actually, you're the captain on the pitch there against Newcastle. You know, he's he's wearing that captain's armband. A player who is leaving the club, you know, he knows he's leaving the club. He's basically made his mind up he's leaving the club. Uh, and what did you see from him that was so poor against I, Newcastle? I just, I just think the last few games, I've just thought like he's having no real, he's not imposing himself on on the game at all. You know, mm. it's just feel like he's lost, and and I think that's why it's so dramatic. When as soon as we move Fabinho back out the midfield, yeah. the drop off is ginormous. Yeah. The structure, the solidity of the of the structure of the team falls apart. You know, and I get there's a two there yet yeah, in Ti- Thiago and Wijnaldum. I thought Thiago actually you know played quite well. Wijnaldum though for me is, I'm not watching him thinking you can see he's still fighting for that shirt until the last you know the, his last day at Liverpool yeah. I feel like that's gone a little bit out of his game and 
for me, I, you know, I'm surprised Klopp's reverted back to I'm going to play Fabinho back in the centre back position. You know, because I'm I'm missing Matt Phillips. Play Davis. You know, or play. There's other stop moving Fabinho out of that midfield. Mm. It, it, you just can't keep doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we're so poor. Yeah. The second that you do it, there's no press on the ball, and then the high line gets absolutely killed. You know, and and the really frustrating thing about that game for me against Newcastle, you know, was. The VAR one that we got let off with after the 92nd minute, I actually think it was a foul. I think he got pushed, and and you know we were lucky to get that on ball. You know, it, if a modest Trent pushes him and puts his hands on him, but it's gone our way. What kind of mentality as a football side got where you get away with one like that in the 92nd minute and then you concede in the 94th or 95th? Well, we minute? dropped too deep, yeah, and that that's why the ball was allowed to be pumped into the box because we were in our own box. But where's the just got to step in that side? He's injured. <laughs> Why though? I know. You hear Robertson. You can hear Robertson shouting. Pre- he played pressure them on. on the f- ball. He's, he, and he's, he's shouting. You know th- through that game. But you, I mean, like for the for the whole sort of oh, period yeah. that you know that we were dropping and dropping and dropping. It's like where's yeah. the leadership? You can hear Klopp shouting. You know where's the players on the pitch? You were basically saying no. Like f- get out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And this is the problem when you've got the likes of Fabinho, who's a midfielder playing in defence. You know, got Kabaka, we don't even know he can speak the language. I keeper should be doing that as well, though, shouldn't he? Yeah. An experienced keeper. Yeah, keeper yeah. should be doing that as well. I, I, yeah. You know, it's only all of a sudden we're talking about being too deep. We've been talking about being too high all season, right. and I think it, it it's well in this game. It's got to do with you're playing two midfield, and you, you're we were exposed all the way through the game. They didn't like they weren't getting at us because we were all over them. But there were moments in the first half where you go, oh, we're a bit exposed there. But I was just thinking, well, yeah, because we're of playing four two four. Maximum's pace, yeah, you know, well, exactly, with a yeah. high line. That's why we, you know, and Almiron, they've got pacey players, haven't they? They can find balls over the top and get through, but. It's a it's a recent thing I think in you know the Leeds game and, and the Newcastle game where all of a sudden in that last twenty minutes now we look shot energy levels mm-hmm. look zapped and then it's right let's just drop and drop and yeah. drop and let teams. But then Klopp didn't make a substitution yeah. that was in line with protecting poor. a lead. Yeah, I think his substitutions have been poor because Thiago we was controlling the game and 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 so that allowed us to have a bit of time to push out and stuff. As soon as you take him off and the ball's going back a little bit. Yeah. Earlier, yeah. you start to drop deeper, don't you? And I think that probably adds something. To, although you know, I'm not blaming Jones in any way for the goal, but I think you know the dropping back of the team could be directly related to Thiago coming off. Yeah, and that, you know, I think in game management has been poor from Klopp the last couple of games. You know, and I, I don't know, it, it it's just so bitterly disappointing. You know, to to drop two more points and to drop them in that fashion, as I say, after you've had a warning and a let off in the 92nd minute, to then to not take all three points out, that game's unforgivable. Mm-hmm. Do you know what though, Terry? Like, just in on, I don't want to slag them off completely because, um, you know, watching them, I just thought everyone gave their all, you know. And all right, you miss chances, no one can help that. But looking at them, I thought they've ran, them, ran themselves into the ground, they play pretty well. Klopp's face just he looks so broken and dejected. And I was thinking to, me, thinking to myself, and I know it's cliche, but like, you know, you'll never walk home. And I thought, do you need support? Do you need, do you need Klopp needs someone, he's lost his mum this year. Uh, and, and all the injuries and the COVID and all that, you just think he looks a dejected, broken man and he needs an arm around him, like from the fans. And we're not there to be able to do well, it. Exactly. But how do you, how know, do you deliver that? So, me, me talking on the podcast is not going to get back to club. No, but no, but like the, 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 after the game, everyone like fuming and all that, I didn't, I just, in my heart, right, I didn't feel it. I felt sorry for them and I felt like they gave their all. And I thought, you know what, it's just one of them things. 
chances didn't yeah, go in today. So I get what you're saying, you know, and yeah, you know, I think in, in part you're right. You know, you do feel a gutter for them because you're just like, I can't believe that's happened there. You know what I mean? It's just another sort of nail in in, in the coffin of this miserable season. But I, the problem is, and you know, after the Leeds game. I still don't think that there's an anger in this Liverpool side. Mm. You know, at the way that their season's gone as players. It's, I, I'm literally watching games now and thinking, these just desperately want this season to finish. Mm. And it's almost they've got nothing left, you know, to give. And it's almost like we're done. Like, we, we just need it to end. And as a fan... Is that in line with a, a performance, though, where we've just created all them chances? Well... If you've just sorry, if you've created chances though, right, and then you one nil up, and then they score in stoppage time, and it gets disallowed. As Terry said, it's that's sl- inexcusable. It's a right? Slap across it's the face. How many chances have you created? The goal you've, was you've just, just a long ball, just pumped, pumped no into pressure the box. on the ball though, and no, yeah, no, but from their own corner, didn't look like he was desperately defending for the for like to save your lives though, did it? No. To me, it didn't anyway. No, it was it, it was poor. You know th- that just isn't allowed. It should never be allowed. You know, a, a team should never be in that position where you concede and and then you get away with it and then you concede. No, it shouldn't. A I'm minute just saying, later, in my heart, right, I didn't feel like angry towards the players. I did, but but anyway, you know, four, it's, four, it, four it, points off fourth, five games left. Is that is that done? Are you feeling like no? That's... I don't think it is done because they're still we're still in the privileged position of a lot of teams that we're competing with, are competing against each other. Yeah. They've got games against each other, so. But I, I'll be honest now. I, I'm not looking at it thinking that we've got the mentality to capitalise or or to you know to do what we need to do. We, I think we look a mentally broken side, and I think that Leeds result and the Newcastle result will have took a lot out of this Liverpool squad. To be honest, we still rather we, sorry. We just still rather not have Europa because I know you were saying last time, and I think we spoke about it that you'd rather just. Um, that was me, Teddy. Wanted Europa. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. For me, I, you know, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I think I would. I, it's a, it's a, it's a mad one, isn't it? Because it's a, it's a tough competition, but it's a tough competition in the second half of the season when you start getting into the later rounds and you've got all that travel and stuff. You know, was I was I like it? No, because it's Thursday Sunday, and you know what, I, I hate that schedule. But at the same time, I think doesn't the season also start like the early July as yeah, well? Yeah, but the way that the format of the competitions getting changed this season, okay, the, the, the early that. rounds are easy. You know, yeah. it's almost like you could probably half get away with playing weekend sides. You know, and sort of blooding some kids and stuff, and yeah. playing some other. You know, getting your squad some some more games into your squad that don't normally get game time. So, I think there could be some benefit to that you know especially since you know we've seen it this season where players are coming in cold with no games you can't expect them to perform mm-hmm. you know so I, I i would rather be in something than nothing and i think financially it's a, it's a big hit it could be completely out of europe but yeah. you know i can understand why some fans w- w- might look at it and think we don't want any part of that europe league because it does get grueling later on in in, in the later rounds what, what about the uh, conference league Europa uh, Conference League. I don't even know what that how that works. It's like the lowest placed teams in each domestic Seventh, season. Is it or go in, yeah, go into it. But I, I don't think. What is it? A whole tournament? Like how many yeah. rounds in there? I, I don't know the yeah. details. I know, I know it's called it, the the name Conference. <laughs> just kills it for me. I think whoever wins like the if you win your group in the conference, you then play the teams that are in Europa. And then rather be just like a mad thing, yeah. Just money making is just another like money maker. Isn't we're it, we're too close to qualifying for the Champions Champions League where you can say, well, we don't want to be in the UEFA, so let's let's throw it almost. Let's put all the kids out. <laughs> we're too winning. close. We, we've got to still. We're not in a position where we can even think about that. We've got to give everything to the Champions League. Yeah, so, and. You know, potentially it's still there for us, but as I say, I just don't think this Liverpool team uh, look mentally ready for it. Okay, Phil, we got hammered on the 
the Twitter. We've got hammers on the Tinternet, hammers on the Instagram and the Facebook. Any questions for us? Yeah, we've got a few here. Just let me bring them up on my phone. I wasn't prepped there. Right, start with some. Right, we've got a message on Instagram from Peter Murray. He said, does feel like butter on a crumpet and is there room for cheese on a crumpet too? Well, absolutely, you can't have a crumpet without butter, can you? And cheese on a crumpet, not for me. Toast. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. EFC picks on Instagram as well. Discuss Everton's style of football or lack of it. Me and Pricey were talking before, a little bit off air about it. Uh, oh, sorry, it was me and you, Phil, wasn't it? Pricey yeah. came in late. It was... Um, the style of football you've spoken with Judgy about it, haven't you? I think you said hard to beat, and I think that's probably the right. We are hard to beat, and he's made us hard to beat, and we've annoyingly bored the crap out of us. But then I got points. We've done Sheffield United away, West Brom away, Arsenal away, when we probably shouldn't have by by playing yeah. that, and it's not easy on the eye. But I think that's that's what we are. We're, he sets us out to be hard yeah. to beat, not entertaining. That, yeah, that's his first step on the ladder, and it makes us hard to beat. And hopefully next season. We can start creating a bit more and being a bit having a bit more flair about us. Okay, um, Martin O'Connor is a long one. This, so this is about Brand's new contract. Um, so he said thoughts on Brand's new three-year contract. He made all the right sound bites after signing it, long-term plan, etc. And yes, it does give stability. My own opinion is his first three years have been very average. Um, signings that have been hit and miss for every. For every Dini or Godfrey, there's been Delph and Awobi. And yes, um, sorry, I'm just trying to... I, w- I won't get every signing right, but Arsenal, Sadibi, loan, um, his list of failures is quite a big one. I've been critical of the academy for a long time, and I do not think any progress has been made in this department since Brands has been at the club. In fact, making unsee some part of overlord of the whole academy system is retrograde step for me we do have a few promising youngsters at the club at under 18 level um at present but they will progress with the academy but will they progress with the academy um it seems that the club is waiting for brands to decide uh, to sign a new contract and did not make any soundings in case he never review renewed or if there were better candidates out there surely a phone call to Louis Campos or Freddie Bowich has just moved on um, to Heather as was least called for. You'll, you'll, you'll never get a job as a new customer. Will <laughs> <laughs> you just sum that up in like a couple of sentences? <laughs> do, do you know what? The message is that long. I'm, I'm flicking between screens and when I do, I can't see where it was up to. Plus a few spelling mistakes. So, there right, so well, I, I think, so, okay, so Brand's come in. We had, he's overseen Ancelotti coming in. He's got rid of the, you know, we got, okay, so when he come in, we had, who do we have, Koeman? He came in the same time as Mark, um, Marco Silva. Marco so Silva. we had Koeman and Walsh at the same time. Yeah, as so, we, so he's overseeing, getting rid of Silva, bringing in Ancelotti. We got rid of Klassen, we got rid of loads, all, all them ones that we've got rid of. Rooney, and we, yeah, we've brought in Alan, we've brought in Decore. For me, in those three years, have we progressed? Yes, we have. Can we regress further? Yeah. Is it the start of something? Yeah, it is. Why would you? I just don't understand why you'd want to get rid of him. I, I don't get it. Well, when he's saying for all the mistakes that they've made, well, everyone, every, not, not who's got a hundred percent track record on signings? No one. Mm. Not not even the best managers that's ever lived. Alex Ferguson at that. So, for me, we're making progress. Let's keep going. Well, what about you? The best yeah. manager who's ever lived. Not having that. The Alex best manager, Ferguson. Alex Ferguson. Nah. Well, that's, that's another story. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the only thing I can really agree with is like the academy. You, you don't see like I mean we've had 
players on our benches the past month or so, and I've been like, I've never heard of them. So they, with all due respect, they, they can't be that much because you hear of these kids coming through. Even even like you've heard of Harry Wilson before he's came through. He'll probably play in the Premier League again. You don't hear from us having really good who, kids. Who, who was the kid that I was skating you all because you were saying he was like you know the second coming of Beckenbauer, the defender, and Dave, our mate, was saying that he should oh, be he's playing on loan every at game. Blackburn, um, Brantwaite. Oh, Brantwaite. He's only seventeen. He's on loan yeah. at Blackburn. Yeah. He's got great reviews. That for me would be the the one thing I could agree with that message that I would like to see. I would like to come in and say to you on a Saturday morning, oh, that striker scores again, you know, he's only 16. You don't want to hear that. And, and I think a, a, lot three, of our, yeah, a lot of our youth players, or sorry, under 23 players, judge you call to the Graveyard League. Some of them were 26. We're just waiting to get out of there. And you think that probably yeah, could have true. more structure. But I agree with you in relation to some of the silence we've got. That, you know, when, when Marco Silva was here, Alan's not looking across. James Rodriguez isn't looking across at Everton. So he had to shop in like a certain like. They had a job on his hands, didn't he? Getting rid of loads of. Crap as and well. He's still doing it. We, yeah. We've been screwed. Steve Walsh absolutely left a, a mass, a mass in, in his. I'll ask the question though because I, I remember obviously when Silver came and a lot of talk on this podcast was you know it needs time the project you know mm. we're we're sort of going to sign young players you know we're going to sort of develop young players brands has got you know this sort of market network where he can sign all of these like real hot prospects from like South America and and all this and and. That hasn't happened at all, has it? So he came with this reputation as a wheeler and dealer, and you're not really seeing that since Ancelotti came in. It feels like the transfers have gone out of Marcel Brand's hands completely. Ancelotti's signing his own people that he knows and and, and is familiar with. Apart and, from Godfrey, well, apart from Godfrey, but you know that's not really some astute signing, was it? There's a lot of people who were looking at him, thinking you know he looks like who? a good player. Liverpool were linked with him, you know what I mean? So there was a, there was a lot of clubs who were who were looking at Godfrey, thinking he was a good prospect. But you bought Davis though, didn't you? So and I'm not, I don't mean that skitting like, but I just mean that's that's the difference, isn't it? There's there's two hot prospects in the championship. I know one plays for Norwich, no, and one plays for Preston. It's a different different situation with the Davis sign, isn't it? I don't think I don't think it's it's arguable. Michael Edwards isn't an astute, you know. Picker of talent, you know, has shown that a Spartan director. But my point is that, you know, it's almost like it. Is there a worry that Ancelotti, you know, a lot of the thing of signing brands and bringing them to the club was to make sure that when a, when a manager leaves, we're not left in this situation where basically we've got to start again. Now, Ancelotti has basically said he wants to see you get to this, you know, the stadium and be the, that first, first year. His signings are all players who. They're not young players, are they? They're not young, sort of like you know. And the Evertonians have said the whole way through, whoever Ancelotti wants, back him. Yeah, so if he went and you know wanted to sign like sort of I don't know a thirty-two-year-old player, a thirty-year-old player at the moment, it feels like you would. But yeah, he hasn't though, because we were linked with Kadira, we were linked with Thiago Silva, we even linked with Zlatan, and he hasn't gone for them. They're all his players and stuff. He's he's never gone that far. He's gone for Alan. There's we're, also we're a money element Coo- to them, though, because you're in, in a position financially the, to be taking Zlatan's wages on. The, there's yeah. an element of where where we are at this moment, moment in time, though, isn't it? We want to we want to push on. Yeah, I, you've I, got to sign players that are going to push it on now, and we we do want to be pushed on now. We're not we don't want to wait but another two years. Needed in that model. But that's what I'm saying. Is brands is brands actually yeah. doing what you signed them to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Is he? Because yeah, I think he is. Well, yeah. your youth system isn't producing anything. It's not. You're right, and, and, that's and the one you're not signing young players, with the exception of a Charleston. But he came on to silver. M- Moise Keane from Watford. And well, Conku's a good player. Moise, Moise Keane could have, could have turned out, and anyone can say this about any player, could have turned out to be a great deal. Yeah, he and he still could. He's, he's playing for PSG Italy now. Juve. 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 Three, three, ca- three caps for, for Italy yeah, or whatever, and 15 games for you. How much did he cost you? 
Uh, I think it was 20 odd million. That's not, million that's not a youth prospect, is it? It's not like a young gem. You're not buying someone yeah, for 60 going million to, you're and going turning to buy into a 50 million player. Kid who's gone to UV's team and you're going to give them enough money to make him. That could, that could still work. You're convincing them to deal. come to Everton as well. I'll pick players like that for you for 50 grand a year. There's a role for him and he's possibly got to do more in relation to I'd like him to maybe go and sign and I've said this in, in our WhatsApp groups if Carlo Ancelotti wants to go and get Rabiot and Koulibaly this summer great go and get them but Marcel Brandt should also be going to find the Rafinhas and the Basumas and saying to yeah, Carlo next, these, these will be on your bench next season you're not season seeing that be, though are you and no. that's what I'm saying is he really doing what you thought he was going to come and do like us to go back to before he had a lot of dead wood yeah. to get rid of first before he, he can spra- you can't you can't have brain brands for the youth team he's been here for three years you can't blame him for not having no one in the youth team now Takes years to get people through a youth system to change the change yeah, You can't. Yeah, I, I get it. The youth team's not producing, but it's not. That's I, I personally don't think that's Brand's fault. In three years, well, but I think yeah, he's had loads of dead with Deadwood to get rid of. As I said before, in in his three years, we've progressed. And as you the changes in the youth system, though, that will uh, show you know bear fruit in the future. He sacked Unsworth as under 23 coach and made him like this. He's not the coach anymore. He's like overseas, like something else, like the entire academy. So, yeah, but he doesn't coach the 23s anymore. He's like mm. related to signings. Then we've had another question from Nick McEvitt. Um, do you think Jordan Pickford deserves credit for his recent form? And then he said, if the links to centre halves are true, who do we replace? How about the alternative to buying a striker? So, what's the alternative to buying a striker? Not, that's where the message ends. Mm. <laughs> um, so, Jordan Pickford first, and then your centre half links. Who would you replace? So if we bring the centre half in, we've got four. Is, is this that what the, we'd have to get rid of one? Yeah. Who's, who's, who's our worst centre half? Michael Keane, I think. I'll get rid of Michael Keane if I can get rid of one. If that's the question. If the question is, who would you, if you bring him on and you have to get rid of one, I'll get rid of Michael Keane. What about you? You don't like Holgate, do you? I don't mind all of them in different moments. Mm. I think they all give you something, but the apart from really Godfrey and and... Holgate has sometimes the keen and mean that are the more liable to cost you the goal, I think. So it'd have to be one of those. Um, I just want to get that message. I think you've got you've missed a bit out there. Yeah, he said, how about the alternative to buying a striker? We have Richarlison and DCL battle for the central position and sign two wide forwards with pace. We have no outball other than Digne and even his is a one-time cross. Pace to hear teams is a must for me. I think we need a striker. I don't think Richarlison can play central. I said this before on the podcast. I, don't, I think he wants to play there. I don't think he's particularly effective in that in that position on his own. Anyway, um, I think we need we we need a wide player as well in in the ideal world. But I think we need a striker. What do you think? Mm, I wouldn't mind bringing half of what he said in there. Like you said, a, a quick. And he mentioned out ball there, and I, I think there is times where our midfielders do look for like who's going forward. No one is, so it goes. To Luca Dean, and then Luca Dean waits for an overlap opposed to mm. someone going, I've, I've got your man here. I'd love that, but like, I'm not a, I'm not a big Dominic Calvert Lewin fan, really. But we miss him when he doesn't play, so that says to me like we do need another striker. So I'm, I'm with you. I'd, I'd, I'd take a pacey forward and then a pacey wide well, we player to yeah, go with him. Yeah, or bring Moise Keane back and sign a wide player if that's a goal. I'd do that. Yeah. yeah, it's a shout, isn't it? Obviously, you know, it's it seems to be working for him, you know, abroad again. Will he come back and sit on the bench for Everton now when he's playing first team for PSG? He's going to have to if we tell him to, isn't he, at the end of the day? <laughs> Ancelotti yeah. said it the other day, didn't he, or last week, whenever it was. Mm. He said he, what, you'll only get told if you want to sell him. 
Yeah, there okay. we go. Terry, one for the Reds. Fabinho shoehorns in again. Frustrating. Thiago, great when given time. Can't deal with players around him. Commits fouls and plays safe balls. Mane, not the same since COVID. Trent looks nervous. Um, confidence issue. So I think he's, a few statements there, but do you agree with them? Well, I think, uh, yeah, probably I said it on the, you know, talking about the Newcastle game. I don't like seeing Fabinho go back there again. You know, it wouldn't have been my choice, uh, uh, and I think it's hurt us again. You know, I think we're looking much fr- more fragile side when that happens, so I- I'd like to see the end of it, if I'm honest. Um, Trent, I actually think he's been a little bit better of late, you know, the last couple of games. You know, I think he he's he, he was looking like he was going through a crisis of confidence. I think he he has actually sort of settled and, and you know, was has looked pretty good again. Um so I don't know, I don't I wouldn't say he's necessarily looked scared, but again, you know, it's it's tough, isn't it? Because he's got an unsettled back line. You know, he's playing alongside Fabinho again, he's playing alongside Phillips previously. It's, it's tough, isn't it, with a young lad, you know, mm-hmm. to, to to know what what's affecting his game and stuff. But Mane, you know, I think I've already said looks absolutely shattered and broken confidence wise. You know, probably could do with a blow, but we can't really afford to give him one. And and the Thiago point, I thought he had one of his better games against Newcastle. You know, I thought he he, he dictated the tempo and moved the ball around. And well, ever since we brought Fabinho back into midfield, I think Thiago's look good. Yeah, he has. Really and if we're, if we're being honest, you know, everyone, every, you know, there's been a lot of criticism for Thiago, but the midfield he was signed to play in, hasn't he? He's played once with Fabinho and Henderson once. You know, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that might have been the derby, the first one. It was. Uh, we played Fabinho and Henderson and Thiago, and he and I thought he absolutely ran the show. So, you know, it, it's hard, isn't it, to say like, is he the player that we thought we were getting when he's been playing with? You know, as I've said previously on this podcast, Curtis Jones, who's got about thirty games under his belt this year, and probably would have expected about ten. You know, so what we saw that before in the, in the season when uh, Bayern Munich went on to win it, you know, the league and the Champions League and that. I think he had two assists that season. So I was saying, like, if he'd played the same way but Liverpool were winning things, people might have been going, oh, yeah, Thiago's the difference. But now that we suddenly need him to get assists and goals and that and he's not, we're, we're sort of criticising him. Yeah, he wasn't really signed, you know, as a, as a you know a box-to-box midfielder or a number 10 playmaker, was he? So I don't think, you know, it, 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 I think if people are looking to for him to... Get assists and weigh in with goals. I think you know you you don't really understand what type of player he was when he was at Bayern Munich and, and previously. So, yeah, I mean you know it's a couple of observations on the listener there, and I think you know I, I don't really disagree. Covid with them. for Manu, do you think that could be a, th- a thing? No, I, I don't. To be honest, but do you know what I think might be a thing though? With not Covid that he added and and it sort of had a knock on effect, but more I think. He's very sort of, I think in the past he's always been very close to home, hasn't he? You know, like going back to see family and he spends yeah. a lot of money abroad and I think he's always had like, you know, a very close connection to yeah, his yeah, village yeah. and stuff and yeah. maybe just not being able to travel back and forth or, you know, and, and, and see family and stuff is, is impacting him. I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm literally grasping whether that's a thing. I don't mm, know. Could be. But whether there's, you know, just a... Homesick. Yeah, like a lifestyle thing that's, you know, being shut down because of COVID or whatever, um, and it's impacting him in his game, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm just, I'm literally guessing at that. But yeah. I don't think there's, you know, he's got sort of like physical impairments after COVID, if I'm honest. I think well, he looks in seasons gone by, you always used to say during the winter period, he used to go quiet and off the boil. And it's like, so we've seen periods of like poor form from Marnie, just that this one seems to be 
yeah. had a bad time and is it, is it extended? I don't, it I, to be fair, I don't think that's necessarily been a big problem at Liverpool where he's gone quiet over the Christmas period and stuff. I think it's been, that was a problem when he was at Southampton. He scored in bursts at the start of the season and the end of the season. I think he got 12 goals in one season for them, but the first like seven or something came before October and then the rest of them came in like, you know, February or March onwards mm. and it was almost like he had a lean spell for like four yeah. months or something. I don't think that's necessarily been the case, you know, repeated at Liverpool. I think, you know, he's pretty consistent with his goal scoring, you know, spread it out throughout the season. Might have been, you know, a little run of games here and there, but not like real long spells like what we're seeing now, you yeah. know, where where he just can't get his goal. Um, but I don't know, I, you know, the COVID thing, whether there is something there, but I, I don't know. And, and okay. And the last question, another blue one from Keith Gordon. Uh, got a question for the show. Do you think um, Andre Gomez is better than Sigurdsson? Don't get me wrong, that advanced match-winning uh, midfield Sig- midfield Sigurdsson plays in area. We are weak in, but I feel Gomez gets more chances from certain quarters of fans due to how he first came into this team, Ohan. Um, <clears throat> it's a hard one, isn't it? Because he, he hits the nail on, his, on the head there because Gomez did break into the team and look good. And I think when any player does that, You've always got that. Your first, you've got one chance to make a first impression, yeah. and that lasts, doesn't it? And Gomez made a really good one, and Sigurdsson didn't, and that probably affects how I view Sigurdsson. Because I think Sigurdsson was part of a, of a terrible Ronald Koeman team. He was part the of the season where he scored loads of goals. His first one, no, the oh, second one. Oh, yeah, the, he was part of Sam Allardyce team. Yeah. Um, he was then part of getting Marco Silva eventually sacked. Uh, David Unsworth had him. So for me, Sigurdsson's got that baggage, but there is. There is a point in that. I think Gilfie Sigurdsson does definitely do more for Everton than Andy Gomez does. Sigurdsson's transfer fee probably kills him as well because he's forty-five million. So that's mm. probably everyone expects a little bit more from him. Um, I've said before, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of Gomez, so I, I think Sigurdsson's a, a much better player. He creates more, scores more. I just prefer Sigurdsson playing than Gomez. But so if you had to drop one, you'd be dropping Gomez. Yeah. Get rid of one, Millsy. Yeah. I feel dirty saying that because because I must hear you saying that. And I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> honest in saying I think Sigurdsson's got that much baggage with me that I just I can't get past it. I call him the Icelandic mist because there's that many games <laughs> where he just doesn't do anything in. But if someone calls Gomez the Portuguese mist, I'd probably I'd have no counter for it because he goes missing just as much. You never got it a hug off Sigurdsson, though, did you? No, you're right, Terry. I was at the Everton <laughs> in the community thing and I got a hug off Anthony <laughs> Gomez, which means a lot. Okay. I think we're running running quite long yeah. on, on time here. Um, but, Terry, we had a very special guest this week that you sat down with again, friend of the show. Yeah, Paddy Pimblett. Obviously, you know, we've got a great extra with Paddy in the archives, so do go and check it out on acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk. Um, he is a friend of the show. You know, we've got comments off him in the past, like when we won the Premier League title. We, you know, we got Paddy's thoughts along with a load of other noted Reds. Um and obviously he's had he's had some big news, so we just took a moment to sit down with him, me and Phil, and, and and basically just get his thoughts on the latest news since he signed for the UFC. So this is our little quick chat with Paddy Pimblett. Hello and welcome to not quite an extra, but you know a, a, an extra bit of an interview with obviously friend of the show, um, Paddy Pimblett. You know UFC now a UFC fighter. We wanted to get a comment from Paddy. Um, big news obviously came up recently and. You know, his scout said he's one of our own and we wanted to get him on, get a comment and see what his feelings are about obviously joining the UFC, the pinnacle organisation in his sport of MMA. Paddy, nice to have you with us. I'm joined with Phil as well. How are you feeling at the moment, Pad? I'm good, lad. As you can see, I'm just in the bath, based <laughs> up, uh, letting the muscles soak. But yeah, uh, it's nice to finally be able to say I'm in the UFC, like. But yeah. it was a question of 
when, not if, really. It wasn't if I was going to get in the UFC, it was when. Yeah, and I think you've always said that, haven't you? That's always been a, you know, a, a goal of yours, hasn't it? I think you said that when we've done the podcast and stuff, and you know, you've said it on, on post-fight interviews and stuff. It has always been the goal. And I think, you know, for it's been impressive to see your single-mindedness, you know, in, in going for it and getting there to the UFC. Obviously, we know you've had setbacks with injuries and fights being cancelled and stuff, but to keep that, you know, that mindset and stay disciplined and, and, and obviously get through them challenges and ultimately end up at, you know, you know. The, the, the premier organisation in MMA, isn't it? It's what everyone in the game wants to get to, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's, as you say, it's the pinnacle. You know what I mean? People want to get signed by the UFC and say before for the UFC, but for me, it's more than that. Like, this is just the start. I know what's happening. I know that I'm going to be the, one of the biggest names in this sport over the next two or three years. And, you know, for other people, getting to the UFC is, like, the biggest thing and they're, they're happy with it, but it's just the beginning for me. Uh, I know what's coming, lad, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be one of the biggest names in this sport in the next two or three years, and this is just the beginning for me. Yeah, Paddy, go ahead, Phil. Sorry, I was just gonna say you've had you've had offers in the past, Paddy, and you've turned them down, haven't you? And I made up you've done that because I just think you look so much better physically and technically now. Um, I feel like you're well more ready for it. You filled out and. I know we didn't get to see you for long in, in your last fight, but you seemed more elusive to me. You just your head movement seemed better. Yeah, I've done I've done a lot of work on my boxing over the past year. You know what I mean, like when I couldn't when I couldn't grapple because of my hand, I was still in in my boxing gym training in the no name gym. You know what I mean? Every single day with Chris Williams and pro boxers that. So my boxing's got better. My footwork, all that, my head movement, my punches, and then. I've been working on like some taekwondo stuff as well, so my kicks are getting better. People don't see that behind the scenes because obviously I haven't been fighting regularly with injuries and cancellations and stuff like that. So people don't see that, and they didn't get to see much of it when I fought last. So I can't wait to get in the UFC and have someone who's actually on my level and fight have a proper fight with them. Yeah, I th- I th- you know, you say you didn't see that much in your last fight, but me and Phil had a little chat about it afterwards, didn't we, Phil? And like. No, it, 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 it was a relatively brief fight, but from what, what we see, and it was the way that you were, as Phil said, your elusiveness and, and your footwork, it was the way you were chaining them attacks and basically, you know, like sort of, it felt a lot more fluid, like you were way more comfortable on your feet, you know, standing and, and, and striking and setting them up, you know. And, 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 and the judo you know, was nice too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone loved that judo throw, lad. Yeah. Everyone fucking loved that throw, you know, bells and that. Yeah, but no, it was, it was, it was, it was, and that's the word. Phil's just nailed it there. Sequencing, you know, it was, it, it just looked. I'm not saying that you haven't looked good in, in past fights, but it looked like a fighter that was ready, you know, to sort of to to basically do what he had to do that night, and then you know the contract lands. How did you feel? I know, obviously, in the interview afterwards, you were saying, "Call me," weren't you? you? Were saying, "Dana, call me," get on the phone and all that. But how did you feel when you actually got the call? And how did it sort of pan out? How how did how does it happen? Yeah, well, I didn't realise I'd get it that quick. You know what I mean? I, I had a phone call Monday at like four in the afternoon, like two days after the fourth, off my manager saying you'll be signing a new contract and that it'll have a new company on the front of it. And uh, I didn't start crying or nothing like that. You know what I mean? I, um, like I've said, uh, I just smiled and was like, yeah, it's about time, isn't it? Because it is. So, I'm not going to be over the moon for signing for the UFC. When I win the belt, then I might have a little cry or something. 
Yeah. Well, we, we sort of had an idea, Paddy, because uh, the UFC cocked up, didn't he? And he added you to the roster before. Yeah, he <laughs> they fought it, didn't they? Yeah. They, wanted, they wanted to wait a week to give an announcement because uh, that weekend we had my Ochi facing Garniwa. So they wanted yeah. to announce it when there was no fights coming up on the weekend. Yeah. So they waited a week. That's why it waited a week till the next Monday. But they, like on the Tuesday night or the Wednesday, they added me to the UFC roster. It's just Paddy the Baddy as well. Like the Korean <laughs> zombie. Paddy the Baddy, not even my second name. Who's right? <laughs> Plus. Plus. But um, so obviously. What weight are you thinking about, Paddy? Then I'm hearing a lot of people saying one five five. But when we had you on last time, I know you were at a different stage of your career now. But you said to me and Terry then, if you ever go to the UFC, it'll definitely be one four five. So have you filled out? Have things changed? I've filled out, but I hardly have to cut any weight for my last fight. So I'll be going down to one four five. I'll see how it see how how it affects me. You know what I mean? I'm getting a DEXA scan in the university in a few weeks. Which checks like your inside, see how heavy your bone density is, your all your muscles, all your uh, organs, and it'll see if I'm safe. It's safe enough for me to go down to sixty-six. Which now that I'm doing everything professionally, I think it will. Yeah, yeah. I reckon you've got it to lose. Looking at you, like it seems like you have. Looking at it at the minute, lads. That's why. <laughs> Tell you what, Phil, <laughs> Rich coming from Phil as well. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, now, I'm, I'm well heavier than I should be, like, but that's just all the few weeks of celebrating. I've just had to have a sweet potato with you the mayo, lad, for me, see. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, who are you looking at for some fights in the 145 then? Anyone. I've said this before. You know what I mean? Anyone. I really don't care. Put anyone yeah. you want in front of me and I'll beat them. Um, what about, there's a few British fighters, isn't there? Um, like, do you want to try and avoid them? I don't know if you've got any relationship with it with, with any of them, but yeah, no, I haven't no, I haven't really got any relationship with anyone like the power of people in my gym, but you don't really normally put Brits face Brits that often. Like if no. you do, they'll do it on a London card, so there's both sets of home fans there. So I'm thinking like Grunzy. Um yeah, I'd fight him, lad. I'd fight any of them. I really don't care, like I said. I'll fight anyone because I'll beat anyone, but put anyone in there and I'm gonna kill them. <laughs> is there any I mean obviously you're very confident anyway in, in, in your own abilities but is it you know do, do you think is there is there specific things that you'll be working on in terms of not not for a fight where you, obviously you prep for it for an individual fighter you might be facing but is there any specific things that you're going to more focus on that you think I need to sharpen that up a lot more for when I yeah yeah there is there's a few things there's a few things that I need to do and I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of doing them already at the minute in the gym you know what I mean I'm already working on these things before I get a fight, so that yeah. when I do get a fight, it's it's secondary to training for me opponent. And is that more striking? Because obviously, you just get very high level anyway, isn't it? You know, you're really good in your grappling game. Well, I've focused on me striking for a, a, a full year, you know what I mean? So, mm. it's time to get back on the grappling now and smoke motherfuckers that way again. <laughs> yeah, nice. And obviously, it's it, it's one of them, isn't it? I think in, if, you, if you've got... You know, you're not. You don't want to be too highly specialised. You're in one specific thing. I think if you've got like a really strong skill set in in various different bits, you you know you you haven't got to be, you know, the best at every single one of them. But if you're very high level in a number of of skill sets, you you're much better prepared in that game, aren't you? In the UFC. Yeah, that's exactly it. If you look, if you look at fighters, know what I mean. Ben Askren's probably the best wrestler ever in MMA. Damon yeah. Damian Maya is probably the best ever in MMA. Using his jujitsu. And then people like Adesanya are like the best, and Anderson Silva, the best strikers you've seen. But 
None of them is the best ever because he couldn't do everything together as good like John Jones can. Yeah, that's it. Having that, having that high level in a, in in a multitude is the key, isn't it? And yeah, and and you know we talked about it a little bit before, didn't we? It's that you know certainly the striking side has has, has come on leaps and bounds for you from from what I've seen anyway. Um, so you know I, think I reckon you are quite rounded, Paddy, because you're you were brought up an MMA fighter, weren't you? You weren't yeah, a jiu-jitsu that's fighter. That's what I was about to say. That's the difference between like. Me and a lot of other people, they've come from a different martial arts or they've come from a different background, like boxing or wrestling, or you know what I mean? Where yeah. I just walked into Next Gen as a 15-year-old lad and done it all together. Yeah. So for me, it was like mixing it up's pretty easy, where yeah. other people have to think about shit to, to mix it up. Where for me, it's just second nature because it's what I've done since day one. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's why I don't do games. That's why I don't do games, Jiu-Jitsu, because when I fight... I don't have a key to hold on to. Mm. Yeah. And that's why they always say, like, the next generation of MMA fighters will be even better. Even because better, yeah. Because you only Every ever time. do MMA. Mm. Every single generation is going to get better, lad, without, without a doubt. You know, there's young lads in our gym, lad, who are unbelievable. Yeah. And the, the young kids, you know what I mean? Ben Kelly's one of them. The lad who have just been with him doing standard conditioning, lad, he's about... Couldn't, Last six foot one lad, and he's fucking 19 years of age. He's a big unit lad. <laughs> fights at 77k, fights at 170. He's yeah. a fucking unit lad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. no, no, really looking forward to seeing obviously your debut in there and, and, and seeing the first fight. And you know, as you say, you, you, you won't be you won't be happy until you've climbed the top of the hill and you know you're sitting on there with, with a title under your name in the UFC. But I think all your fans, you know, and everyone who's followed you, your career and your time, you know, and, and the journey. I think there's a there's a lot of people certainly in, in the UK, but definitely within the pool you know, would be rearing to go and looking forward to that first fight. You know, and certainly us on the podcast, it's been it's been like a, a, a you know, a pleasure to sort of have a have conversation with you with when we'd done the exit and we talked about where you were previously and stuff and and when that was why we were so keen to get you on is obviously when we hear this news, it's it's nice to be able to share it and obviously share it with yeah, our Teddy, after we spoke to Pazzy last time. How bad we kept texting each other saying, like, oh my god, the luck he's just had there. He just seems to have bad luck after bad luck. Yeah. And I was thinking take some type of person to recover from that, Paddy. Yeah, Must exactly. The mindset. And all because when I come on last time, the opponents had just pulled out at me. Yeah. And then I got a new opponent, and then that new opponent was misweight by loads. That's right. Yeah, the first yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then the hand. And then your hand. Yeah. Yeah, and then my hand again. I had to get surgery again, but ah well. We're, we're cracking on now. Yeah, it is right. And it's, you know, it's definitely, it's, it's a boss attitude. It's more now. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, I think we said that on the podcast, didn't we? You know, it's a, it, it, and I think you made the point of being a role model in a way, you know, of sort of showing that sort of spirit. It's really, really important. So it's great to see in a, in a, in a local lad, you know, who's, got on, who's, who's managed to get through that and, and is going on and, and kicking on. So, Fair play. Well, obviously, you don't want to keep you too long, Paddy. Obviously, you're in the bath. Um, you'll turn into a little prune if you're in there too long. So, um, one, one hand has gone a little bit like already, that. Already I'm gone. Where I am, <laughs> but, um, but no, it was lovely, lovely to chat here and, and obviously get a, a little bit of a, a reaction to to the news. Any any sort of ideas we can for our listeners as to when you know the first first sort of fight might be? No idea. Lad. No idea. Um, I had my first drug test last week. So I'm in the new side of the testing pool, but no idea what date. Um, obviously, I don't know if my visa's fully gone through yet, but 
I was speaking to another fighter yesterday called Jared Gordon. We had a, not a back and forth, we were just being nice with each other, but we said, yeah, you fight me, you fight me. Yeah, sound. End of July, yeah, go on, sound. Okay. So, so summer, hopefully, yeah. summer could yeah, be happening. Fight like Island. Like I said, I'm fat at the minute, lads, so I've got weight to lose. <laughs> Stay so, in that bath. Sweat it all Forever. Up. In a roasting hot bath. Yeah. No, but... um. No, it'd be it'd be great as as we said to see you in, in the first fight. Looking forward to it. And um, but no, really appreciate you coming on, giving us a little comments, and and hopefully we we can get you on for a, for a, another extra, a full one. Um, Paddy the Baddy, now a UFC fighter. Um, and we'll do another full extra, and and you know get really really into it, and and, and what the plans are, and what what the future looks like. Yeah, man, all day sounds good to me, fella. Good stuff, right? Thanks, Paddy. Nice one, Paddy. Appreciate it, mate. Well, good. See you after, boys. See you soon. See you later. So, yeah, obviously great to hear from Paddy, as I say. You know, there is a great extra with him in the archives, so do check it out across the park podcast.co.uk. He's a great character, you know, and and real pleasure to talk to him again and get his thoughts on the latest signing. Look, we are running quite long. We had to to cover the European Super League fallout, and we're delighted to be joined by Paddy. So we're going to try and flick through very quickly this week in history and it kills me doing it because the red this week in history was going to be unbelievable phil you've still got to talk about it and i, I want to go on record here i want to go on record you said what you wanted to cover this week it wasn't me and it wasn't pricey you brought this to the table you know, actually gary threw us under the bus on this didn't he teddy he did yeah we're we were both in work and we went gary can you find this week in history come back with that april 2014 life was good if you're a Liverpool fan, up until slip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it. Chelsea yeah. at home. Vividly. Yeah. Obviously, you know, going for it, going for the league, looking like, you know, we're probably going to get it done. Absolutely, like, going like a stream weren't we, at the time. And yeah. then, obviously, Mourinho comes and spoils the party. And it was a game that Gerard, who's obviously, you know, gave so much to the club and, and, and you know, probably thought he was going to end that league title duck. And then obviously he's the one. And what makes it worse is I think the game it was the game before, wasn't it? When he got in the huddle yeah. and said we don't let it we don't, we let, don't this let this slip. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously that slip is just uh, you know it'll stick out. It's, it. it's one of them, you know. We do weekend history and normally you know as Liverpool fans, they're normally pretty pretty buoyant ones, but it's just a, you can't gloss over it. It's it'll haunt you for the rest of his life. And it, it yeah. sticks in our head, doesn't it? Because yeah, it's it, 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 you know it was a. It was a turning point. It probably was the you know the thing that en- ended up being. We've gone on and won the league though, but Gerard hasn't. Like, yeah. So what, what was it like in the ground? Because obviously all we ever see now it's rollback sky. You read the commentary. It's bar. It's in. What was it like in the ground when that happened? You knew he was going to score. Was it like it? a gasp or was it feel sick? What what was? Yeah, it, it was just a sick feeling because it was like, oh, you know what's happening? Have you done that? And then obviously you knew he was going to score, and and he did. But I think. Everyone in the ground was quite calm because we were such a good side at the time. I think it was more of a, well, listen, the there's loads of time on this. Like, there's no need to panic. Do you just play our game. What you did start to notice was Gerard almost wanting to make amends for it. He was hitting pot shots from everywhere and stuff, weren't he? It was yeah. like the desperation to sort of like make up for it ended up and you could feel that anxiety growing yeah. as the game went on then. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's the really grim bit if you know if if, if calm reds had prevailed but it was an inexperienced Liverpool time t- side you've seen that against Palace you in, know, the, in the, the Carragher podcast I said to him you know we conceded 50 goals that season 
kind of I think if you had still been with us, that might have been forty five, and we might I think we'd have just won the league. And he said, could have been fifty five if I was playing. He said, but what I do, where I do believe I would have made the difference is in the Palace game. I to just settled heads, yeah. And there was no like Gerrard's went, didn't it? When Gerrard's head goes, then that's it. Well, it is went in the Chelsea game, and then obviously the teams went when they just thought let's bladder this goal difference in the Palace game, which followed. And I think that was just the collective inexperience. Rogers at the helm, you know, very inexperienced manager. A, a, a Liverpool team that had not been in that position uh, or got there, you know, for a long time, and we'd never shut up shop. Though we didn't know how to do it. We didn't it. know how to do it. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a grim memory, you know. And this week in history, I'm so glad we pushed for time that we haven't got to dwell on it too long. But listen, you know, Enough you take said. the rough with the smooth, don't you? And and you know, it was a, it, it's a memory that'll obviously it, it it's not one that Liverpool fans will look back fondly on, but it's certainly one that is you know a, a noted chapter in the club's history so you know it's it, it can't be avoided this week quick um sidebar to that one pricey before we move on to our one mm-hmm. i went to them um, i remember that chelsea game i'd gone to them um, roads with the missus and our first day there was we got there saturday night and our first real day was the sunday and it's right by valarachy so we took a bit of money each and we said right we'll go out wednesday to valarachy because we're all inclusive in the hotel so we took money for valarachy so wednesday was the plan becca goes to sleep on the sunday that happens i wake her up going to Scrap Wednesday, we're out tonight. <laughs> Valarachi is tonight. We spent all our money that night. <laughs> I see you brought the Week in History idea up in our WhatsApp group because I think yeah. you were a big fan at the time of, of a certain 17 year old boy who was scoring goals, Mr. Wayne Rooney, yeah. April 2003. He bags a last minute winner, yeah. puts Everton right back into contention for the Champions League. We never got there, but that season, how good was he? Unbelievable. He's 17 and he, he's the best player I've seen play for Everton yeah. at Goodison. 100%. I remember it was like a couple of, well, it was that season. And it, well, you go back to Rooney, you go back to the U team, and you know, you always got a prospect. Everyone mm. used to go and you watch the U team games that yeah. the season before to watch Rooney play. Mm. Everyone, it was always full, well, not full, but it was always loads there to watch him. Then he got into the team and he sort of bit, played right winger, remember, on his first game, and then he's getting into it slowly. And then he played, played a few decent games, but he played against Bolton over, over the Christmas period. Yeah. And it was nil nil, but he was unbelievable. Like he was. Playing against obviously people, men, he was seventeen and he was just great. And then from then on in, he was, he just seemed to get better and better. And that that goal that you mentioned against Villa, I remember being in the upper Bullens and it going in, and just just felt like he was just like a golden boy, wearing like oh yeah. he's gonna he's yeah. every time we need someone he's always there for yeah. us. It's always gonna be him, and it just felt like he was gonna be there forever. And we'd all love him forever and all that. And it just didn't work out that way. But oh, he was brilliant, wasn't he? Oh, that season was boss. That 2002-2003 yeah. season was brilliant because Moyes had Moyes was like a proper coach. He'd have to bounce, he'd do the warm ups, yeah. and he brought in like Joseph Yobo, who had pace at the back. He brought like Lee Tyen, who was quite good with passing it on the floor, opposed to what we had under Walter Smith. Then you had Wayne Rooney. And then it was a great. I remember that that Villa game. I used to sit in the lower Gladys Street, a season ticket holder in the lower, lower Gladys Street, and I just watched it fly in. It was like still on course. Yeah. That's kept us on course. Yeah. And it was that seventeen-year-old Evertonian who was never going to leave us. No, exactly. Was just That's what it was, wasn't it? Yeah. And his celebration. I remember. He, remember someone said he got the bus home or whatever, and you see him in the paper playing heads and volleys <laughs> in the street after the next day. It was just brilliant. It was like yeah. what a hero he was. But yeah, that's our week day, the, yeah. this week in history. Anyway, yeah. boss days then. Yeah. Phil, quick rounds of um, who oh, am I? Okay, start with the pool. Pressure on Terry. Come on, Terry, for all the Reds listening. Um, so, start easy, start hard with the clues and get easier. So, number one, this player spent six years at Liverpool in the 2000s era, the noughties. Narrows the time for me there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Liverpool signed him from Feyenoord. I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> I'm on it. Bet you signed. 
it, it's not him. So, okay, he eventually left Liverpool, quoting he wanted more playing time, although this was a bizarre move as he ended up predictably playing far less. Hmm. No I'm, thoughts? I'm not on it now. No, no it's not a usual thing. Yeah, the obvious one, wasn't yeah. it? Is that all my clues? No, there's two more to go. Um, despite that last clue, this player is a hero in the eyes of Liverpool fans. Silence from the given. Stumped. Got a hero in your house, is he? <laughs> All right, then. Got, got a knot on here. Well, this is clue five. The last clue. I think this gives it away. In his finest moment as a Liverpool player, he was able to imitate a previous legend of the club who played in the same position as him. Oh, I've got it. You have? Yeah, I've got it. <clears throat> you got it? He's a hero. In his finest hour, he imitated a a previous legend who played in the same position. He left Liverpool to get more playing time, but then never played. The for Blues have got this. Give us the points. <laughs> Go on, Millsy. I'll pass it over I to you. I can't even think who he is. Yes, he do, Zach. Yes, he do, Zach. Ah, it's you, Zach. yeah. I wasn't even thinking of a keeper, you know. I was thinking about players, like strikers or something. Yeah. Oh, you think Kite at first place? Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought Kite. And then when he said, like, he, he's leaving, he wants to leave for more game went, time, you like. He went to Madrid, didn't he? Madrid as well. He said, yeah. I want to get more games. He went to Madrid where ah. Casillas was. I never had that. I wasn't, not one bit of my mind was even thinking of goalkeeper there. <laughs> so like, Terry can only draw. Now, okay, yeah. that right? Yeah, we can pull it back on yeah, and draw. Yeah, okay. So, ah. all right, then the Everton player made his professional debut at Bayer Leverkusen. Okay, second one, he later went on to have a, a brief spell at Bayern Munich as well. Don't sh- not, don't got shout it not got it yet. He had 17 appearances for Everton in total, scoring two goals <laughs> and assistant on six occasions. Got it. You know it? On it. 100%? 100%. Okay. The next clue then, see if this <laughs> confirms it. This player's parents are both of Irish descent, but he does hold a Canadian citizenship by way of his father. Mills, he's still on track. Mm. Canadian, on it. yeah. Canadian, yeah, but still from that part of the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Still. All right then, Pricey. He scored five goals across three World Cups, 2002, 2006, 2010. Mr. Landon Donovan. Indeed. 2-11. Just like the real derby this season. (laughs) It's been a bad one for the Reds. Pricey, let's very quickly just touch upon the Aston Villa game. Saturday night. A few beers in Casa Pricey. Confidence? Um, No. (laughs) Not confident, no. (laughs) I can't can't be confident. I'm sorry. I just can't be. But uh, it's it's another massive one. Saturday night, yeah. A few beers. Watch the game. Uh, Say I'm not confident, but I, I, I do... I do think we'll probably win if if I'm, if I have to have my arm twisted. Like, um, just never go into games these days thinking it's a given. But um, yeah, Villa on forty-five points, Everton on fifty-two. A chance to end. Put see them off. Yeah, yeah, see them off. Yeah. First time we played Villa this season, isn't it? Good job. But you know what? Villa were good at the start when we were supposed to play them in that first game. They were a decent team. Like they were doing well, a decent team. Lucky we didn't have to play them. I'm playing them now where the sort of their don't season's finished, hasn't it? Don't no, no, such a wood and all that. But their season, Ross Barkley. Their season's finished, hasn't it, Villas? They've they've had a good season, the mid table. That'll do them, won't it? So yeah. I'm open for that reason, and and that Arsenal games give us that little bit of momentum and that little bit of you know, hang on, we can do this. Then mm. hope we win. I go. You're going to ask me what to score or not? I was going to say what yeah. prediction. Um, I go two 0 4-1 Everton. <laughs> 4-1. Ross Barkley scoring. I can just see it. it yeah. always, that always happens. Where are we getting four goals from? 
right over to the Reds. Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday, the historic rivalry that you're always up for. You always want to turn these over. Yeah. So going down the East Lancashire Road to Old Trafford, United versus Liverpool. This is a good time to play them for you, or is it a, a, a bad time? They're flying away now. And going to Old Trafford hasn't bodes well for us for a long time now, has it? Yeah, it's not it's not been a happy hunting ground, you know, for for a while. And I wouldn't I mean saying they're flying, I well, think is you got compared to, to relative history, they're doing well. Have you it? played them yet in an empty Old Trafford? Um or was last last season was the fans in? Was last season Ooh. one where Rigi got fouled in a build-up and he's all went mad? Yeah. So there was fans in. We got beat. Oh. Yeah, that was where it, it, VAR looked at it and didn't give it, is it? You know, where he got stamped on, on So this on, is a very different... Um, yeah, well... <laughs> but, you know, us without any fans, like it doesn't suit us either. Um, you know, even... even even like feeding off the energy, the negativity of the of the United fans, you know, there, there's nothing there. And at the moment, I think what the point Phil is making is, you know, f- for all of you know United not being that great a side, you don't watch them and think these are boss boss sides at the moment. No, they're, they're just better than us at the moment because they they've got a way of playing and they find a way to to sort of grind the result that they need. And you know, it's been working for them this season. And unfortunately for us, we're we're well on the rocks, aren't we? We've hit the skids big time and. It doesn't feel like a, a good a good place for us to go. You, you maybe it is in, in one way you can look at it as maybe we'll get a reaction, you know, after the disappointments the last two games. But at the moment, you know, again we're going we're going somewhere needing points, desperately for points, and we don't look like a team that relishes that pr- pressure at the moment, oh, do we? They scare me because they're full of uh, height and pace. Yeah, and we're not, you know, Rashford, Greenwood, and they've got tall players as well, physical players, you know, so. It just does, when you sort of like put line eleven players up against each other, strengths versus weaknesses, I just think, oh, I don't like it. But um, I, I heard someone say, I think on another podcast, that um, it's kind of like a shot to Nottingham Liverpool because we're not expected to do anything. Nah. But a, a trip to Old Trafford's never, it's never, a, <laughs> never a free hit. No, almost a. Oh, you're expected to get beat, so you, you know you yeah. can just go with no pressure. No, not at all. Listen, we need to win that game. We need the points if we've got any chance to to get in that top four. You know, in late in the season, and that it isn't a free hit. But I, I, the point is, I, I, you know, at the moment I don't look at us and think that we're in the right frame of mind to go with that pressure on our shoulders. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's certainly it's a massive game and. It might not be the massive game that it's been the last few seasons because you know they haven't really been competing with us the last few seasons and without the you know the fans there and without that sort of build up Skyle trying to dress it up as you know it, it, it's no different than every season but it won't be the same it won't be the same it won't be the same occasion without the fans to get the players up for it either I don't imagine it'll be as aggressive you know <coughs> refereeing wise it probably won't be as spicy as it has been in the past so I don't think it's going to be necessarily one for the ages like a, a great spectacle but you know it's a tough place for us to go at the moment and, and has been in the last few seasons so I'm not I'll be honest I'm not relishing it like. yeah. and as you say the, the, you know the, it looks like they've got the players that could harm you know what we've got available it's slow slow at the back and, and a high line and stuff so yeah. Yeah. you just get beat there though that's like a I don't, I don't think Klopp can do this, but maybe you go and don't get beat. Because as United then beating you onto Everton, beating you and not qualifying for the Champions League, the list goes longer, doesn't it? Nah, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't think we can go with that mentality of let's let's get a so, draw and not get beat. We've got to go out to win that game. Otherwise, our strength line attack, Millsy. We 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 can't absorb pressure. 
Yeah. Which can't do it. It wouldn't be sensible. Our best chance. Look at all them chances we created against Newcastle. We've got to go and do that again. Mm-hmm. And put them away this time. And the problem is, though, we went 4 2 4 there. I don't know if you do that against United. It leaves you very exposed. Don't yeah. You? So. yeah. So. Yeah, I played them there in the cup this season. Sorry, I got that wrong. You played them in the cup in the empty. Oh, empty that's right. Yeah, we got beat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. then, Terry prediction. <coughs> well, I'm. You know, I'm. I think do it, I, I, no, I, you know, I, I can fully see a draw, but I'm gonna say a Liverpool win. I, I, I want to see a reaction. I want to see anger. I want to see aggression. I want to see this Liverpool team say like we're not, we're not out. We're not out of that top four. And despite what's happened in the last two games, I want to see that. I want to see that like, you know, fire. And maybe it's the fixture that I could get that from them. Um, so I'm gonna say Liverpool. I think they will score, but I'm gonna say Liverpool two one. Cop said. He looked totally dejected and he said in the press conference, I need a time here to be angry and frustrated. He said, but then I'll pick everyone up and there's a lot of positives to be taken from the last game. So I hope we can turn that into confidence and I hope we can turn that into a 2-1 win. Both going 2-1 to mm. the Reds. Be a happy podcast next Monday. Bank holiday Monday. So guys, big thanks to Paddy the Baddy Pimlet and congratulations Paddy from everyone here at the podcast signing for the UFC. Go ahead, my lads. Terry, Phil, Pricey and myself signing off. See you next Monday. Enjoy your bank holiday. Enjoy the football. See you then.